three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Oh yeah, it's going down right now. Episode 46 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I am your host, the big bad bully, Moods. And of course, I've always got my two centerfold pinups, NES Ruler, also known as Mr. June. And of course, I've got Double Shot J, also known as Mr. October. What's going on, boys? Eh, nothing much. Been watching a lot of Oscar films this week. It's chilling. Nice. Yeah, I'm nice. almost um starting on April 1st, my channel will be completely Oscar coverage 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So if you want to follow Oscars, head over to my channel. It's going to be 24-hour Oscar coverage coming up. Coming that up. is awesome and Jeremy he's just put, decides like, he's putting to, like a clip video together too. Jeremy just <laughs> decides to drop this bombshell of an announcement which kind of reminds me of our in-house announcement to kind of go over because we didn't really get to talk about it and it was like a spur of the moment thing last week so uh moods if you want to like start talking about what we planned for episode 50 now would be the time episode 50 wait yes, wait we... wait this show's not about the oscars oh i gotta go peace <laughs> yeah i'm pure oscars now nothing else well oscars. you know it's the, it's the greatest tv show ever invented um episode 50 yes um we are going to be giving lots of Lots of shit away. Basically, all you have to do is phone in, leave a voicemail, and tell us what you think. Um, well, just give us a film. Give us one film that you think is one of the most influential films of the last 50 years. So basically, from 1965 to or to 2015... Pick a film that you believe is one of the most influential films in that 50-year period. I think they and, should say the most. What, what, in okay, your opinion, most. what is the most important or most influential? What okay. film it's really... Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> so that either way, either way <clears throat> the point is phone in, leave a voicemail, and what happens is you get basically entered into... Um, I guess it's like a contest. It's not really a contest, but your name gets entered in and we're going to have a bunch of prize packages and pretty much how it's going to come down. I mean, essentially, I mean, if we get like 4,000 uh, voicemails, it's probably not going to work out like that. So we're assuming that we're going to be able to give away something to everybody that phones in because we do have lots of prizes and things lined up. So basically what's going to happen, your name goes into like a randomizer. Whoever gets chosen wins that package that's coming up and we get some DVDs. It's as simple as that. So all you have to do is just dial those numbers, phone in, and say the name of a film. That's as, It's as easy as that, and you're going to get some good shit. So. We do kind of encourage that you explain briefly why, why you think that that's the most important horror film. And make sure – because the voicemails we've got so far, I forgot to mention when because we just announced this out of nowhere. Uh, we wasn't planning it. But I forgot to mention in the last show that – 
we're talking about films from the last 50 years because uh, Matt actually left a voicemail for a film that was uh, way before that cutoff date. So, um, you know, I apologize for not really kind of explaining it. But, yeah, it's in the last 50 years. So anything before that is excluded from the conversation. And you're probably wondering to yourself why we're doing that. It's just because it's episode 50. We just want to do the top 50 most influential influential films of the last 50 years. It's just easier. If we're going through the whole, you know, history of cinema, Jesus Christ. Okay, let's be be frank here. It's (laughs) going to be really fucking hard. So it was just easier for us to do the last 50 years for episode 50. You guys feel me? Of course. Um, So like I said, phone in, win some DVDs and... Um, I've been picking up shit left and right to give away, like just, you know, some used goodies and some original Anchor Bay stuff. I got some sealed stuff, and so it, it's going to be fun. I'm really looking forward to, titles. you know, I'm, I'm actually not looking forward to shipping these out because yeah. I already yeah. have like, I already have three packages I got to send out, two to these guys and one to my boy Zach, and this is just going to add to it. And man, shipping's not cheap anymore. Fuck. But well, that's also, besides the point. That's besides the point, and we're gonna have fun with this. Yeah. I want to mention that uh, one of the prize packs that I've picked up so far is Troll 2 on Blu-ray and Best Worst Movie. So mine are going to be more themed-ish, and I'll try to get as many as I can for, like, you know, these, like, it'll probably be two two films um, for each one, and it, they'll probably be related just because I think it's cool and fun to do it that way. So I'm sure these guys will just have a hodgepodge of craziness, but mm, I'm, no, I'm going to like- just have... I have like eight IFC titles and like seven just normal, semi-newish movies. Okay, well, uh, yeah. So I mean, it's kind of ridiculous if you don't call in because <clears throat> you're pretty much guaranteed to have a high percentage chance of winning something, um, depending on the amount of voicemails that we get. Uh, so definitely do that. It's going to be really cool. Episode 50 should be a blast. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, let's, let's get those calls in. And just one more thing. If you're from the 724 area, send me a message before you call, like right before you call on Facebook or something, because I might answer the phone, um, because I'll think it's somebody that I know. I guess we all know where the area code JP's from. Yep. Let's all hunt down him. The seven oh deuce. Bring it on. Bring we're it gonna up. have a Mexican mm. manhunt. <laughs> you won't make it out alive. I'll bring the magical burritos. <laughs> we're 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 gonna bait him out with some burritos. <clears throat> we're gonna make it a found footage film. The hunting yeah. of the, the wild Mexican. <laughs> yeah, so episode fifty. Yeah, let's get the ball rolling on that. Um, Matt, since you have already phoned in and your choice isn't actually valid, you're still going to get entered anyways. But if yeah. you still want to re-enter, or, um, you know, phone back with one that's that we can put into the list, um, feel free to. Yeah, but please, we're still going to enter please, you because you did take it. the time to actually, you know, phone in. So you're still going to get rewarded for that. So don't worry about it, buddy. That's all good. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Episode 46, we've got uh, a film from 1974, The Centerfold Girls. How about the intro? You know, you like how I tied it in there, my two centerfold pinups? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you guys like your months, Mr. June and Mr. October? I kind of felt like I was doing like a... Why couldn't I be Mr. November? 
I don't know. I could. I. I didn't want. I mean, if it was by chance, these are the months of your birthday. But I just yeah. chose them at random. I just literally the first two months that came to my mind. Fucker, don't know so, my birthday, you asshole. I'm so. I don't even know my own wife's. You don't actually, know your wife's birthday. <laughs> no. See, I always do this because that's fun. The other day, I got asked what her birthday was, and I was like, "Oh, it's March 25th." And then I thought about it for a minute, and I went, "Fuck, it's the 27th." I'm such a dick. <laughs> It was so bad. I actually had to change it on some paperwork I was doing. Oh, it was so bad. I'm, I suck. I suck so bad. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, what's happening in the, the lives of the uh, pinup, the centerfold pinups? <laughs> Anything exciting this week? Because, to be honest, ugh, nothing in my life. Nothing. Nothing, Abs- nothing happened. Yeah, this this week sucked, man. You didn't boring. do anything? Like, nothing bad or nothing. It was just one of those weeks where it was just very kind of standard, you know? Get up, go to work, come home, watch the films, fucking eat some food, drink some beer. It was the same old shit. Nothing to report, you know? That's boring. It was. It was like one of those just normal, normal weeks. Um, I don't know. I've been getting The mail has been pissing me off, though. Again, I got a bitch about the mail. Okay, get this. I had an order ship from Second Spin on February 19th. It is still not here. It is fucking March 13th, which is Friday the 13th. So happy the Friday the 13th. Forgot to mention that. Um, what the fuck? It's like three and a half weeks, man. It's better than oldies. Yeah, that was bad too. But this is usually I get my stuff in a couple weeks from these guys. So this one's taking a sweet fucking well, you time. You can't get mad say. at them then if it takes a while. And I have a couple beauty gems that I got in there too. Oh, I'm so excited for it, man like really really cool finds so i'm excited for that you always but... find good shit on there i can never find anything good yeah Piss actually I, I got a major score on there it was fucking awesome <laughs> so i'm pretty i'm pretty stoked but you know on the upside though some odd reason i did get all my scream factory blu-rays this week um only shipped days after release <laughs> so that's exciting not too bad jp you want anything or are you just being a lazy mexican again how's the car situation going I'm just being kind of lazy again. <laughs> How is the car situation going? Did you get that thing running, or you never actually nah, updated us on that it's, one? We're, it's like being looked at right now. It's just taking a while. I don't know. I really don't even like thinking about it because it pisses me off. Oh, did we hit a soft burrito? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, shit. Well, that sucks. Well... I mean, since our lives are so fucking boring, and, and the coolest thing that we can talk about is episode 50, I guess we might as well move into the exciting news. Because there was some pretty cool shit that went down today on this Friday the 13th. And, you know, I feel like we just did a Friday the 13th. Am Most I not wrong? Ago. Like, ago. How fucking strange is that? When was the last time we had, like, back-to-back Friday the 13th? Uh, 2012. Oh, okay. So it's been a little bit but no I just i'm just kidding strange. i don't know i just thought it'd be funny to say that. Oh, like, there was one recently. Recently. there was one recently you were though, so I matter think. of fact you're like well it was actually in june and july of 2012 <laughs> <laughs> he pulled it out of his ass like he's a friday the 13th man. i was like damn dude that's fucking amazing <laughs> he loves jason he so he just memorized he loves jason so he just memorized every friday the 13th in history <laughs> yeah um but yeah jp the news um, okay, so first up for the news, uh, we have a film called The Nightmare is going to have a North American release on VOD June 5th. This film is from the documentarian Rodney something, Asher, 
from Room 237. Oh, great. That film. Um, This film is about sleep paralysis and the, I guess, recreations of events people suffered from sleep paralysis, which is where um, you uh, regain consciousness as you're sleeping, but you're kind of paralyzed um, and you're just, you know, stuck in like horrific visions and nightmares see at least this is interesting that's not like people talking bullshit that doesn't make any sense at least you're gonna learn something from that um yeah well i mean there's a lot of people who um say that they suffer from from this but uh, i guess it's debatable on how how much of it is real and how much of it is bullshit and how much of it is you know in their head so um, should be kind of interesting. I know my friend is really big into like sleep paralysis and um, the shit from Insidious. I forget what it's astral projection stuff like that. A lot of stuff to do when you're sleeping. So he'll probably be really interested in this. Yeah. Yeah. So after mm. that, we have how's that horror? What do you mean? Well, it doesn't sound horror to me. A documentary about nightmares doesn't sound horror. All right. It sounds frightening enough to me. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, I, obviously, it's more real-life horror-based, right? Mm, yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. After that, we have a TCM prequel. This uh, We got some casting news. Um, we have a young man who was announced to be playing Leatherface, uh, I think his name is Sam Strike, and we have Angela Bettis, who is going to be cast as the mother of the Sawyer family. Um, so yeah, what did you think of these casting choices for Texas Chainsaw Massacre? <laughs> Perfect timing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That's so good. Um, to be honest, man, I was I, I'm a really big fan of uh, um, Angela. How do you pronounce her name? Is it Bettis? Bettis, Bettis. Um, yeah, man, she's she's a great actor. So that's actually really interesting, um, you know, casting right there. As for the guy that was cast as um, Leatherface, I actually know nothing about. It. I know we had a conversation about him last night. I know people were kind of tripping balls about the way he looked, uh, saying that he was too pretty and and shit like that. But I mean, I mean, I don't really think it matters too much what he looks like because it's you know. You know, they tell you in the story that, you know, he eventually gets some kind of face disease or whatever. So I'm assuming that they're going to start out with him looking like a normal boy, you know, and then get the facial dismemberments or whatever's going on and then put the mask on him. So does it really matter what he looks like? I guess it depends on which story you follow because the... I mean, it all depends on how they do this, too, I guess. It's completely true. The remake series is the one that introduced the facial disease but i don't believe it was ever said anything about that in the original films and this one is taking place before toby hooper's original film um you know i i'm not sure how i feel about it i'm kind of with you where it just depends how they go about it is he going to be wearing a mask uh 99 of the film then it doesn't matter to me what the actor looks like you know what i mean that's what I kind of came down to, but I, I think if they if they showcase, you know, if they want to do this backstory read from kind of like the beginning type deal, there is going to be a time where he's not going to be wearing a mask. So I think that's what people are kind of freaking out about. They they kind of wanted to lean more towards you know somebody that maybe looks a little more homebred or in you know and shit. Like I mean, I understand that point of view completely, 
but I don't really think it matters too, too much. I mean, you know, he wasn't obviously born with deformities and stuff. It became later. So does it, I mean, to me, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. but well, I, that's just the way I see I, it. So, I, th- I mean, I think what it comes down to is that, um, when you, it, it's almost like a next generation situation where we have, they started putting Leatherface in a dress and putting makeup on him and stuff. And he's no longer a monster when you do that. He's, he's, he's a joke. And if you make this guy a, a pretty boy, then he's no longer going to be threatening. So I 100% agree with, like, the idea that, oh, no, like, you, we, there's a fine line here. Um, but, like, it's too early to tell if they've made a mistake or not. So we'll just have to wait and see um, what they do with the character. Um, and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I agree. All right, so after that, we have Eli Roth was recently interviewed. He says the Green Inferno is close, but it's not quite there yet. Um, There's still some legal situations going on with the Green Inferno. Uh, That sucks, you know? I mean, I think everybody's kind of waiting on this film, and it just seems like it's taking forever, so... A film that will never come out. (laughs) Hopefully soon. I'm starting to feel like that, too. This is getting ridiculous. I, I, you know, to be honest, I just, I just kind of want to stop hearing about it. I just want it to come out one day, just drop. Yeah, I almost want to forget about it. I just kind of want to forget about it and then just, oh, there oh, it, is. it is. Fucking yeah. awesome. So, yeah, yeah I, but yeah, it, that, that's a really, it's like almost infuriating a little bit. Yep. He keeps changing his mind. He's like, okay, it's coming. And now he's like, oh, well, no, it's not him though. I know, but... It's a legal battle so, between the rights of the films with the people, yeah, yeah. Co- production company who originally produced it went bankrupt or out of business or whatever, and it was, you know, sold to another production company. Roth tried to buy it back so he could release it himself, um, and it's just kind of a clusterfuck right now. So... Uh, what, a, what a fucking mess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's rough stuff. But he did go on to say something kind of interesting. Me and Moods talked about this a little bit last night. And that is that the Cabin Fever Fever remake, Roth has seen it. And he says that he feels like, well, first he says he was blown away by it. Then he says that it's smart because it changes the characters and deaths. But it's kind of still the same movie, but everything's changed. Um, and he says it looks awesome. It's really fun. I'm happily surprised how it's turned out. Did he? Did he, I don't know if we talked about it, but did he talk about like the effects, like the gore effects and stuff? Did he mention anything about that, like no. how that looks? Because we know the original Cabin Fear is pretty. It's pretty nasty. Yeah, looks good. So I was kind of I was kind of wondering what they did with the deaths and are they really graphic? But I know they changed them and the characters and stuff like that. But I want to know what the kills, you know, how were presented? Are they gory? Are they are they good? Yeah, that's they, that's kind they, of are, what are they cut deaths? Who knows? But I think mm-hmm. that it's kind of brings up an interesting idea. Like, what if you took um, a script to a film? Let's just throw one out, like Nightmare on Elm Street or something. And then you changed the protagonist. You changed the deaths from which order that they were supposed to happen in. Maybe changed how they die. Um, and then redid that film. In, you know, but still the same way, like in terms of like the setting and the house and like everything like that, but kind of just switched everything around. Would that kind of be interesting? 
to see a film like that, it's like you're seeing mm. another version in like a, like an alternate like, dimension or something. Yeah, it's mm. like it's like watching the film in Bizarro World. Yeah, you know where everything's it's just like kinda, a choose your it's own the adventure. same, but it's different. Yeah, um, yeah, like you know, in Nightmare on Elm Street, say the protagonist is uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, like, but, but if you think about that, and Heather Langenkamp has the miserable dead or the uh, bed death. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, shit like you, that. Like, like yeah, 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 kind of strange, you know. Like, like that, the character of Nancy like that, has the has the bed death, but we're still following the story <clears throat> as if it's Nancy at first, and then she's like the one that has the bed. Like, it, I think it would be <clears throat> really interesting to kind of. I almost feel like there will be a name for these. Like, if this is successful, this could be a new trend to do. It, it's actually pretty interesting to think about that. You could put. I mean, you take any film, for instance, especially one that's really notable, like Nightmare on Elm Street, and you change things around. It's like kind of brings a smile to your face. It's kind of funny. Yeah, you know, until you get pissed off, people will. Oh, oh, everybody's not going. Well, people are going to be pissed off regardless of what you do. Anytime you do something with a franchise, oh, it's just going to raise that question: Is it a remake, or is it a reboot, or is it a rehabilitation, or whatever? The fuck? <laughs> Let me ask you this: Has has there ever been a film that came out from a franchise that people didn't get mad about? Even when you go back to something like Friday the 13th Part 7, when that came out, it was, like, critically, like, panned. And there was a lot of – and from, from what I have understand from fans who was around at the time, was like, yeah, these films weren't, like, held up in, like, a high standard like they are now back then. They were just like, oh, another one? It's the same It's the same like damn movie us, again. Though. Yeah, like right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think people are always going to complain no matter what, but I just find it to be, it's kind of weird how this simple interview has took my um, excitement level for this film from a negative, like, three million up to, like, a completely neutral. Hmm. Yeah, it's got me intrigued. I want to see it now. Just because I'm like, well, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) You know, like, what what is Mm -hmm. it going to be like? Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I was when we said like when we heard like they're taking the exact same script and remaking the film, we were like, Jesus Christ, worst <laughs> idea ever. And now it's like, well, wait a minute here, this is kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah, I like the uh, I like the premise of this. I think it's actually pretty neat. I think it'd be interesting to watch them back to back too. Mm-hmm. You know, see how they switch. And everything. Yeah, you watch yeah, the yeah. first one and then watch this one. You're like, fuck, that is actually pretty interesting. But you know, it's just like an alternate reality. It's like Realm Three filmmaking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know it's strange yeah but so we'll definitely have to check that out see what happens with it but after that we have rob zombies 31 has casted malcolm mcdowell and begun filming of course malcolm mcdowell's in it yeah he's rob zombies new dude well there's they he casted a bunch of people but that i wasn't writing those all down i mean that, that doesn't uh i mean i might have sounded oh, yeah. negative when i was like malcolm mcdowell of course he's in it I'm not mad at all. I mean, I think that's a good move. You know, I mean, in my opinion, he works well with Rob Zombie. I know a lot of people disagree because they they loathe the Halloween remakes. Yeah. And, you know, fortunately, fortunate. this panel, we don't. Um, but uh, on the second one, but I don't loathe it. I just don't love it. Let's not go on that tangent, guys. Yeah. Seriously. Good, good call. Like good we're going to we're going to end up in Bizarro World if we go uh, up on that one again. Um, uh but Malcolm McDowell, sure, man. Sign me up. Okay, so after that, I thought this was kind of interesting considering I never heard of it. One Step Beyond, which was a TV series that ran from 1959 to 1961, is getting a six-disc DVD collector set six from... Yep, six I did. 
I did. Six dicks. I did. It's weird. But it's See, not I getting did, six I... dicks. It's getting six discs. Six dicks. Uh, That's a... bizarre world, isn't it? <laughs> uh, Chess Chess Media Group is putting this out on April seventh, two thousand fifteen. It follows. I guess it's sort of like an anthology show, but it 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 tells uh, real life events, quote unquote, uh, through dramatic reenactments of like mysterious like ghost settings and it, like alien abductions and and shit like that. And it was called One Step Beyond, and it I think it was like pre Twilight Zone, but it was mm-hmm. a TV show. So that's that's yeah. pretty interesting. Ninety six original uh, the original run was ninety six episodes. All will be be available on a six disc collector's set. Ninety six episodes on six discs. It's pushing yep. it. That's well, a lot. how long are the episodes? Right. Well, even a half an hour each. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're flipper discs. Uh, yeah, so, that's interesting. I'm at, that's actually intriguing. I've heard of this show before. I've never. I don't think I've ever seen it before, though. But I'll be checking that shit out, man. I love those old. I mean, you know me with the Twilight Zone, man. Fuck, mm-hmm. I could watch that shit every day. It's so good. But yeah, six discs. I think it'll be okay. Really? Oh wait a minute, here, guys. I think that it actually says seventy of the ninety-six original episodes will be available. Oh, ugh. Yeah. Why would they do that? What's the point? I of hate that? when they oh because they something probably to do with rights in certain yeah. episodes or some bullshit. So it's not even a complete series. Uh, see that annoys insane. me because that's what HBO did with um, the Hitchhiker series. They released like about three volumes, and it was kind of like episodes that they could release. You know, yeah. That annoys the shit out of me because that show I think was on for five seasons or something, and there was like, quite a few episodes, and so you're missing like fucking tons of the episodes. Yeah, I hate when shows do volume sets like. The Mike Judge uh, Beavis and Butthead collection. It's just like certain episodes, and they're like all just the shorts and not like the full episodes and stuff. Like that drives me yeah, insane. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's so, a yeah. little disappointing. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'll do a little extra. I didn't catch that when I first uh, pulled this piece of news, so I'll definitely look back and see if that's what it originally said or what. Because I, I almost didn't even catch that. I was like, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, so yeah, after that we have L Ray Network. And Miramax announced that Danny Trejo has joined uh, Robert Rodriguez for the second season, the sophomore season of From Dust Till Dawn, the series. Um, cool, you know that. That's that, I mean, you kind of expect it, right? Danny Trejo has yeah. been like more involved in the series than probably any. And I'm sure in episode 47, we'll be <laughs> announcing that Cheech Marin is will be added to the cast of From Dust Till Dawn. Pussy, too. pussy, pussy. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be, that'd be fucking awesome man yeah i mean she's just, he's i mean he's known for being on he's been on tons of tv shows and stuff so why not why not i don't know Has he, the pussy he might have actually already had a cameo oh really yeah probably fucking cheech Who the doesn't pussy guy cheech man come on yeah, yeah so danny trejo is going to be playing the regulator um and he's going to be kind of uh summoned to perform a deadly errand yeah from uh from the lead guy or whatever so yeah i mean danny trejo uh i'm excited to check this show out actually like more i only seen a couple episodes but i keep saying that but i really need to get around to doing it after that we have a dvd slash blu-ray announcement for april 21st 2015 we are talking about everly it's not really horror but it is thriller from what i hear but it is joe lynch who's like really you know walks hand in hand with horror and stuff so 
Yeah. That's cool. I'm really excited to check this out. It's been described as Die Hard in a Room. I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool, right? We've talked about this before. Yeah, but it's actually coming on DVD April 21st. Q. Coolio. Yep. After that, we have another Stephen King film that's going to be adapted. It's uh, The Jaunt. This is from the, I believe, novella in Graveyard Shift or whatever the hell, how it was called, the uh, collection. Night Shift. Night Shift. Okay. Um, so yeah, a, fil- a film adaptation is in development. This was from like 1981. The story. I always find it interesting that there's literally so many Stephen King stories that are still good from the 80s and stuff that still do not have film adaptations. It just blows mm-hmm. my mind. Like Stephen King is like just super fun. Yeah, and he has some really good stories even from the last few years that need to be yeah, um, like that car adapted. One. That car one's interesting. Well, um, even one from, me and Moods have said many, many times, 1922 is is a yeah, f- hell of well, a story. That, that's actually the one I was getting at. That one needs to be adapted because that story is fucking badass. I love that. I'd story. love to see an adaption of that one. Yeah. That was from the full moon and no star, whatever the fuck it full was. Full dark, was four, no stars. Yeah, there was four stories in that one, and that's actually where they adapted Big Trucker from. Well, Big Driver. Or Big Driver. And, and the honeymoon or whatever, or not the honeymoon, what the hell is it called? Um... It was the a good marriage. They adapted both of those already, mm-hmm. and those are Shit. from that. So nineteen twenty two, come on! Like, I'm really it, surprised wasn't the first one. It's the best story out of the four. It definitely is. So that's interesting. <laughs> but it, it's kind of got me thinking. Like that that's a film that I would love to adapt. Like if I was going to become a filmmaker. Like, that would be, like, my down-the-road, like, dream project after I was established. Just because when I was mm-hmm. reading it, I, like, I visualized everything. And I've always oh, kind too, of... Man. It, it's just one of those films that I think would... Or one of those stories that I think would be, you know, very great <clears throat> for film. It's not hard to visualize things when you're reading Stephen King's stories because he's so... Visual. He's so visual and, and yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and vivid with his, you know, with his words. Like he just he paints such a delectable picture, man. When you're when you're reading the shit, it's just like, yeah, I, I can fucking see it, man. It's like he, it, it, it almost like his words absorb you. I know it sounds really cliched and kind of stupid, yeah. but it's kind of true though. It really does. Like it's so easy to picture shit, man. And like I just, oh, I was having a blast with that story, man fucking awesome but i know exactly you mean you just kind of like yeah i could do this shot like this and like you know (laughs) yeah totally good shit so i feel like that you're right like everything that he he writes like is very visual but i even feel like that story was even more so which is incredible yeah so uh yeah but the john i guess this was known as kind of having one of the better stephen king endings in a story uh, that's the word online anyway uh, when this was announced so that's interesting man I would have to go back and read it I mean I've read all the short stories in that book and there's been probably at least 10 adaptation films you know made from that book at least that one has been so adapted um, so I'd actually have to go back I could actually grab the book right now but uh, uh, maybe I'll give that one a read because I know the most of the stories in that book are like five pages long kind of thing Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's interesting. So maybe I'll give it a, a read before, you know, it starts developing, but yeah, that's definitely one of the most adapted pieces of work that he has. So, yeah. After that, we got word that the walking dead spinoff is actually greenlit for two seasons already. Yeah. I saw that too. I heard that. 
supposed to take place in LA, I think. Yeah, it's going to take place in Los Angeles, focused on new characters and storylines. The show's first season will consist of six one-hour episodes and premiere on AMC in the late summer. The show's second season will air in 2016. I always get confused when there's spinoffs of TV shows before the show fucking ends. Yeah, I know. Well, so I know strange what it me. is, man. It's it's like, like a I know that they're. I feel like yeah. they're going to do some crossovers and stuff. And it's really because Walking Dead is such a huge show right now. And you, f- it's a show that can exist outside of that universe that they set with those characters. Unlike other shows that are popular, like you can't really go outside of those main characters because that was kind of the whole the show is like sur- surrounded or centered around them but in a zombie apocalypse there's other groups of characters you can focus on so it really makes sense for this show to do that and i think really it's a huge incredible kind of way of keeping people the downtime of the walking dead they have the walking dead still it's it's a way mm-hmm. for there to not be a moment where there's not Walking Dead. Are they going to air like that, though? Are they going to air like that? So the would, Walking Dead's off air, and then they're going to well, have the, the crossover show. This is why I say yes, because as we show. know, The Walking Dead typically airs in October, and then yeah. it does that mid-season break, and then it, it'll air you know months later, the second half of the season. They said that this, the spinoff show is going to air in the summer. So that's kind of like the right before the October mm-hmm. season of the the Walking Dead. So I mean yeah, yeah. That makes they sense. might do it like in between so it's like every, every like every quarter you're watching the Walking Dead. <laughs> you started watching Better Off Saul, JP? I did. I watched oh, it's fucking probably good, man. the first 3 episodes, but the other it's, ones are DVR'd right now. It started out bad, but like it's gotten really good. Like last week was fucking amazing. Yeah, I'll just yeah. catch up on that. But Walking yeah. Dead, I mean, it is just Walking Dead, Walking Dead. That's so all I hear at work. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy that this show has kind of um, went w- way beyond the horror crowd and really just kind of full on took over mainstream. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's just nuts to me that they're going to, like, essentially be running two separate series of The Walking Dead at the same at the time. Same t- <laughs> yeah. Has that ever happened? Now we're going to have to buy the bonus special feature additions for two things now, Moods. Ah. Uh, Jesus. Yeah. It's so, getting so expensive. After that, we have the Blob remake. The director says, he was uh, interviewed, he says, the Blob will be happening right after this next film I'm working on in August or October. Uh takes a little more planning because we've got to design the creature oh it's wait, going so it's to gonna be, be a cgi blob sci-fi than the original it's a bigger scale type of movie it's more alien meets predator and designing the creature is long and involved process because it's very sophisticated it's not going to be goo pouring through a window so that's taking a while to design and construct that that annoys me so much because it's like he's he's jabbing the original as if like (laughs) not that old outdated blob this is the new and improved blob this is going to be alien this is going to be the predator blob ridiculous Mm -hmm. we don't need another fuck that yeah we don't need another blob the fucking (sighs) the remake remake of the the remake is actually my favorite remake of all time. Yeah. So the, this is, I'm just like, I don't really care. 
about this, to be honest. I'm a big fan of the original Blob, and I'm even a bigger fan of the remake. But yeah, the remake's fucking awesome. I like both of yeah. them a lot. And, I, like, this guy's head is up his ass, and <laughs> screw him, because this the, mm-hmm. like, this Blob yeah. is going to be terrible, I have a feeling. I have Fuck. no faith right now. Uh, you, you're never going to be able to outdo Kevin Dillon's plumage. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's got, like, the best mullet plumage of all time in a film it's absolutely beautiful to how look funny at. would it be if like this the trailer comes out and everyone has mullets <laughs> it's fucking just plumage just everywhere oh god that'd be so awesome oh good times yeah so after that we have rings which is the new the ring film oh is this a digital copy movie yeah yeah uh, our sources, uh, this was bloody disgusting. Uh, our sources tell us that the ring is actually a, a digital sequel copy that will be focusing on a possessed digital copy of the ring girl Samara. Fuck, man. Dude, that conversation was the fucking bomb. That shit was funny. Not as funny as Have You Seen My Dick? Oh god, <laughs> it was funny as hell, man. Like oh. seriously, the updated version of the ring, of course, would not be a VHS tape. That's so old school. It has to be a digital copy, right? Ultraviolet? <laughs> mm, <laughs> I say Amazon streaming. Amazon streaming, you get a fucking virus <laughs> from Amazon Prime streaming. <laughs> Actually, no, you, you didn't get a fucking pay your virus. membership fee. You know where you get the virus it. from? If, not paying if, your membership fee. No, if you signed up for the full moon streaming, that's where it would come from. Yeah. Because Charles Band would fucking he would oh, he'd get you somehow. He'd get you somehow. Yeah, so the next time you go order his movies, he'll charge you eight hundred and ninety nine dollars <laughs> to ship them. Well, no, what'll happen is the He's ring the upset. ring the the ring tape will be uh converted to a digital streaming service on full moon. Um and when you when you Watch the movie. You a two-headed then, penis after, comes out of the TV and kills About you. halfway through, it stops and a message pops up that says, you have to pay for shipping uh, in order to watch the rest of this movie. <laughs> and then that's when Samara gets to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or you can just donate your right kidney. Yeah, you know, Charles Band. He's he's willing to just take everything from you. You have you know? to give him your idea about your two-headed penis movie, and then you get to watch the rest <laughs> of it. Yeah, people seem to be liking that two-headed penis idea. I yeah, it's good. It's good. Yeah. Let's run with that. Who wants to do the screen? Who wants <laughs> gotta, to do the screenplay? We got to make that man. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> what's actually going on with this ring prequel is yeah, it's going to be a prequel. Actually, it's going to take place before the 2002 remake. With oh, the, so it's going to be a killer eight millimeter film. No, it's still going to be the VHS, but it's going to be the the tale of. How Samara's reign of terror began. It's going to be the origin of Samara, pretty much. That's bullshit, man. If it's like a prequel kind of deal, it should be at least a beta tape. Well, betas and VHS. Yeah, they came out at the same time. You fail. But no, <laughs> that was but no, a fail. no, 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 no. It beta was. I think actually beta came but, out first. But wait, did they? Get, I think actually beta hit the market before VHS. Well, did they if get? I'm not re- mistaken. Wait. So does does the beta show up in an Oscar Wiener mobile? So oh yeah, like, of course, of course it does. Stay tuned, yeah. Jeremy's NES Ruler Twenty Two channel, uh, uh, sponsored by Oscar Wieners. Yeah, only if we could, man, because they're good. Twenty four hour Oscar coverage coming pretty soon. Pretty tasty. A little bit of mayo and some cheese whiz on there. You got yourself an awesome Oscar. Cheese whiz on an Oscar on a okay. hot dog. Skewing off on the tangent. <laughs> 
Monsters: The Dark world. Continent is gonna hit theaters <laughs> April. Nice oh, transition, JP. Seventeenth, <laughs> April seventeenth. So yeah, that's when Monsters: Dark Continent is coming out. After that, uh, we've actually blown through this news, guys. We only got a couple pieces left. Satan's Blade. Olive uh, sent out a press release talking about Satan's Blade. It's a 1980s slasher to be released on Blu-ray and DVD for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. The 80s slasher film is getting a debut Blu-ray release in spring from Slasher slash slash video slash martini entertainment a division of all of films because remember a couple weeks ago it was actually slated for a release and we had it on the releases and i said i don't think this is coming out because i hadn't heard anything but that's actually kind of interesting that they just sent out a uh, press release about that so that's good to know because i've been looking forward to this film for oh fuck man they announced it like a year ago or something like that it's been a long time a while um, yeah. Satan's Blade was remastered from a 2K scan using the original 35mm print. The film has been out of print since its VHS release in the mid-1980s. Satan's Blade will have its Blu-ray DVD release on May 12, 2015 and be the first in the series of slasher slash slash videos and Martini Entertainment collaborations. The poster, DVD, and it's Blu-ray... It's just slasher video. I know, but there's two slashes and it looks fun. Oh, it looks cool, man. It's slasher, a cool slasher video. It, no, it's slasher, slash, slash video. <laughs> 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 the poster, DVD, Fuck. Blu-ray cover art pays homage to the genre by using elements from the original poster and the v- vintage VHS covers. All of films took cues from the memories of video rental stores when creating the art. Um, so this is really cool. This is a new line of horror releases, you know, that, that are going to be you know slasher videos um they have the cool little slashes obviously indicating that it's slasher uh on the cover art it, like i love the cover art it looks really cool looks really vintage really does capture that video store era um so I'm, I'm excited for this film and i'm excited for this line because this is the launch of a new line which is always fun right yeah Man, this yep. week has been good I have for all the, announcement. Or I have all these uh, the slasher video DVD releases. I think they had eight of them, seven or eight of them so far. So this is cool that they're getting the Blu-rays. But I'm really interested to see what films that that that, that they put out. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited for that because if it's like a slasher, I'm, I'm assuming this is probably going to be some really rare, you know, weird films. unreleased fucking shit like you know yeah, Saint yeah. Blade and stuff. So this is really exciting, really cool stuff. Yeah, but, you know, what's cool about it is that um, they're teaming up with Olive, and Olive has, you know, a bigger distribution network. That's what they're doing, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it gets to, it it probably has more money to put into it, teaming up with Olive and Martini Films, or Martini Entertainment. I'm really, this is cool, this is cool. I like Olive, dude, and it's cool to see them kind of get back in the... uh, the horror world because they've been they've been they've been touching it here and there they started out strong but they really kind of shied away from it as of late mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and finally after that we have a couple of announcements from scream factory oh yeah first up we can get this one out of the way uh they announced a double feature with the outing and the god sense and Jesus. the second release is uh, John Carl Buechler's Cellar Dweller and Catacombs, due out July 14th. Well, at first glance of this announcement today, I was enraged. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? 
I was like, you got to be shitting me because I remember them saying that they couldn't. I mean, originally the Vagrant was supposed to be a Blu-ray release way <laughs> yeah. back in yep. the day. And the reason why the Vagrant got put on that four pack is because they couldn't acquire the original elements or they just didn't yeah. have good copies, blah, blah, blah. So they put it on that four pack. They didn't say anything about the other films. So this is kind of interesting. But then I, I was really enraged. I'm like, are you fucking serious? Cause I own both those, you know, four packs and I like those sets. They're nice. I even they're fun. You know, they're, they're cool sets, and then I'm like, really? They're just going to, you know, release these as double feature Blu-rays? I'm like, fuck. I was I was pissed. Mm-hmm. So, ultimately, I went and literally sat down on the toilet and was taking a shit. And um, I started thinking to myself, I was like, wait a minute. Okay, the films that are being released on these double packs, I believe, are full frame. Right? So, I'm like, well, you know... I fucking I can't stand watching full frame films to be honest. Like it just kind of gets me sometimes. If you can have a better, well, you know, remember like anamorphic wide screen when they would have like a wide screen full screen edition. It's like what's yeah. the fucking point? <laughs> yeah. So and I, I actually went and checked out the the marathon um, DVDs and yeah, sure enough, three of the four are in full screen. So at least we're gonna get upgraded, you know, to widescreen hopefully and and shit like that. But you know, still at the end of the day. It's still pretty weak, though, <laughs> by Screen Factory. I'm not going to lie. I'm not overly stoked for these, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you know, we'll get better transfers out of them. Because, I mean, the transfers that are on the DVDs of these aren't bad, but like I said, three of the four are full screen, and they're not the greatest. So, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this, JP? Well, so, um, I do remember them saying that the reason that they were just going to be DVD only was because... Um, they didn't feel like the investment would be would pay off if they did new transfers and, and things. And, and you got to understand, this was when they first started. They probably had a, they're obviously more successful now. Probably have more money to work with, um, things like that. Right away, I was like, I was like, well, I'm particularly not excited, but I don't really see the problem with it because we're still getting films that have never been on Blu-ray now on blu-ray i never have a problem with with films being released on a format that they've never been released on before um it's the same as if uh a film that's on dvd right now uh from you know another company like uh the uh you know like anchor bay or something like like or Candyman, for example like would you be mad if all of a sudden Candyman was on blu-ray if you already have the dvd no because you don't it's it's now on blu-ray it's a different format I think it's different if it was released by a different company. I think that's what chaps my ass is that they've released this and they're just like re-releasing their stuff, but in a in a high def format. You know, for some people that don't have the DVDs, they're like, yeah, fuck yeah, this is awesome. Um, but for the people that do, and you know, that are fucking hoarders and you know fanboys like we are, Make a <laughs> that buy all the fucking releases. So in. now we're gonna end up buying just basically upgrading. Which, you know, for me, I would just like. For them to release some other stuff. I mean, I'm fine with the DVDs, dude. To be honest, it doesn't really bother me a whole lot. I mean, I am, you know, looking forward to the better looking. Oh, so you're gonna buy it? Well, yeah, I probably. (laughs) Because I started thinking about. Should be mad. It should be me because I literally just picked those up for the first time. But I'm not because I don't know. I'm not happy about it. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm See, I think you gotta kind of look at it like the way that I originally explained it. Why? Like. Look back, like step back for a second and take a look at it. Why does it matter that if uh, MGM owned Candyman and then uh, Arrow Video did a Blu-ray, but it's different because Scream Factory owned these films and then they did a Blu-ray? Why is there such a big difference there? It's the same thing to me. 
no, it's because it's the same company. So that's what that's what's bugging. It's bugging why? me because why didn't they just why didn't they just release them in Blu-ray form in the first? Well, they, they couldn't. They, they didn't have that. the money, and they just they didn't see it as a in a okay. Well, now that's the, okay. That's the other thing that really fucking bugs me is because you even said yourself that those sets did not sell well. Mm-hmm. So, but they still obviously are doing well enough from the other releases that they can re-release these. Those films didn't sell well in the first place. What? What? Why are these going to sell better now? Well, how many times because did you buy Halloween? Res? How many times have you bought Halloween? Dude, those other packs are $10 for four fucking movies. How is yeah, that not I, selling? But let, well, let, let's say really? they like, put these the ones out for $12. $12 a piece. Like, I think that's they're a not, solid They're, they're not going to be $12. Well, also, you know? okay, listen. If they didn't Terror sell well, bucks. then maybe... Yeah, now it is, not when it first comes out. If they didn't sell well, then maybe they're looking at it like, well, most people don't have these, so they would upgrade. It's not like everybody had them and now we want them to upgrade. It's the same thing. Why was nobody mad about Slumber Party Massacre? It's the same shit. I was. I was I was annoyed by that too. I'm like, now they're just taking their old Shout Factory releases and just upgrading. Like, I wasn't – I mean, I, I like the movie, but I was like, do I need the Blu-ray? No. I think it is completely <laughs> – does not it. matter which company. It Like, it, it actually makes no I sense to me I just want to see that, other films. That, I do too. I do too. Trust me, I'm well, not. I think they did a good job releases. about today with other films. Yeah, and that's what I was like. Well, shit, they did do. They did do what you wanted, but they also did this. Why? Why does it have to be either or and not both? You know what I mean? They can. They're do releasing other fucking Ghost Town. Come they can on. do other films and still do this too. And nobody like. I, I I'm probably not. Buying I mean, at the end of the, but... at the end of the day, nobody is forcing me to buy these releases, and I, I understand that. But I'm just the thing is, I would just rather see you know instead of these two double features that are just seem repetitive to me. You know, the films are already out on TV, whatever they've already released them. It just seems repetitive. Why not yeah. release? You know, they announced Ghost Town, which redeemed themselves completely, and a couple other films that never been released before either, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I think Jack's back. I've seen before. I don't think it has a release. And then what was the other one? Nomad also got announced today. Well. Thanks uh, which for stealing I'm, I, my news thunder, guys. Fucking wow. ghost town, man. Well, we're just on the Screen Factory conversation. You can still I was fucking, joking. But you know what I'm saying. So, um, But I was a little – I was like really – okay. I was a little pissed off about the Scarecrow announcement or the, the um, special features announcement. I'm like, that's big news. But they, they, told, they told us they was going to do that beforehand. So I think that – I don't think that it was like a surprise like, oh, that's your news? Because they said we're going to announce some – some of the special features as well. It's going to be okay. an update. Well, I obviously missed that, but I was just like, okay, whatever. But um, Ghost Town. I don't know, man. It's not, it, overall, today it's not bad. You know, we get three films that have never been released, you know, before. So that that's kind of cool. As far as I don't know, maybe No Bad has been released. I don't know. But listen, the, I know people are going to say, well, JP. Those just three films a- I do not own, so I'm super stoked. The other ones, not so much. Floppy cock. I, I feel like. People will just say, you know, like JP's being a fanboy again, which okay, yeah, whatever. I'm cool with that. I am a fan of Scream Factory. I swear to God, the first hundred responses I read were, "I am not upgrading to Blu-ray. I'm fine with my DVDs." Yeah, which I agree with. I am fine with so, my DVDs too. Yeah, um, but, but at Mooch, the end of the day, him, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> but at the end a, of the day, I, I really sickness. don't. See... I have a fucking problem. Let's yeah, face but the... it. Y'all know this. I have a serious problem. I cannot stop. <laughs> so, can't stop. You know, when I start collecting something, I'm just like, I'm balls to the wall about it, man. I'm just like, whatever. But good thing you don't collect IFCs. Yeah. Does. Well, no, no, I don't want to get in that conversation. But IFCs release in a different, yeah, uh, by yeah. a different distributor, just 
distributor in Canada. So, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. But I don't know overall feels on the screen factor. I mean, Ghost Town. Let's oh, run through these Ghost next Town. ones real quick. Um, we have uh, Nomads, which will be hitting Blu-ray this summer. Does anybody know about this one? It's from 1986. It has Pierce I just know about I the know. I know about the title. I've heard of it. Um, yeah, it has Pierce Bronson. I think it looks pretty cool, like the cover. Yeah, I was like, yo, this is a film that I'd never really... Um, has this been on DVD? No. I actually don't know. As far I as I know, so. I don't think so. It could be wrong, but I've never seen the film. I heard of, I've heard of it before, but I don't, I don't really know much about it, so... And then but after I, that... I like, I like this announcement because it's a film I don't have and don't mm-hmm. know anything about, so it gets me a little, you know... I think Shall one of the eat? problems was they announced the double features first and were like, this is your fucking announcement? That's bullshit. Um, I think if they would have kind of just snuck them in there like, oh, by the way, we're doing this, I think I think people would have reacted a little bit more, uh, less harshly. Um, then we have uh, Jack's Back, which will be hitting uh, Blu-ray and DVD this summer. I don't know. It's a good flick. This one. It's a good movie. Is it a rape, rape film? It says it's a thriller. No, it's. I think it's. It's. Um, I haven't seen it in years and years, but I believe it has something to do. It's like a serial killer film. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. I have. It's been forever since I've seen it, but everyone seemed pretty hype about it on the Scream Factory page, so maybe Mm -hmm. it's something special. Honestly, I've seen a lot of comments for all positivity on all 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 of these announcements, even the double features. I I, I've seen a lot of people asking questions about them and stuff like that. It was mainly in our group that I seen the moods was just tripping balls and i was like uh-oh <laughs> um well, i always got to make a big deal out of and it's not being so butthurt <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't butthurt i was actually more shocked than anything that they were releasing something that they I already was, released dude. again get that i, I was more shocked out of your butt i was like damn that's fucked up i'm like that's crazy so what's next they're gonna announce the uh, stepfather no they're gonna announce well, the stepfather I wish they on would, digital though. copy i wish they would announce the stepfather it's already they already put out a but like new, like a new features factory. and stuff uh, it's like, I don't know. I, maybe not. Maybe not. I forgot that there was a Blu-ray of, the, of on the shelf. If they want to do any of the Shout Factory releases and you know upgrade to Blu-ray, I'd be happy with Kingdom of Spiders. They don't you know it anymore. Oh, they don't. Yeah, they ma- they they mentioned that in the comments. Yeah. Oh, that's lame sauce. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I think that we'll see um, Slumber Party Massacre two and three. Really, like I think that's what we're going to see probably. Which I remember Screen Factory actually saying that they weren't really they had no interest interest well, in releasing those sequels. I seen they said them say the opposite i seen them let's just see how summer party massacre original does first well, i should sell my copies when they're out of print and worth some money <clears throat> yeah that wouldn't uh, that really doesn't surprise me actually let's talk about the good one well the really good one okay so finally last up for that was uh ghost town from 1988 Ugh, now you like really love this film or something Man, I don't he's, know. He's getting I, all orgasmic about it. I've been it's waiting because it's super hard to get. So you what? You only what, get it on VHS. And did Laser you grow Wars. up watching this one or something? No, but it's a horror western, and it's like he's never seen it. Wait, you've <laughs> no, never, I've never seen, seen this? It. Jesus no. Christ, dude! <laughs> You're I've talking been, about it like it's your long lost treasure of childhood. It's fucking hard to get it. Oh. It's never been on fucking DVD, and it's hard as shit to get on Laser. I used Disc. to own it on VHS. I, I, yeah, well, I, and I had it on a bootleg VHS. It actually is really hard to find four. on VHS now. It's really yeah. hard to find. So, yeah. but I've I'm seen excited. I've seen this film before. It's been so long since probably I was like six. 
But I w- I've been wanting a re-release of this as, or a release in general of this because yeah. it's one that I've wanted to revisit for a long time. It's a cool. This one was scene. actually on one of my original Screen Factory wish lists. My so that's kind of cool. I kind of scratched that one out now. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. Right below so. fucking Clown House, which is never going to happen, but. Yeah. Oh, God. Seriously, let's not even bring up Clown House and Screen Factory in the same sentence ever again. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I know. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, Ghost Town. That's that's pretty cool. I'm excited for that. Uh, finally, getting a DVD. Re- I mean, this is cool, right? Like, it, it's. I did not expect one that. Of these, every one of the time one of these releases happen, it's like exactly what Moods just said. You just cross it off the list. Like, there's an, there's another one down. You know, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine to go. Because um, <laughs> there's so many that that you know, shit. House Four doesn't even have a release, and that's a franchise title. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stepfather Three doesn't have. A, there's so many, but like, it's so fun to just cross one off and be like, "Well, we got Ghost Town now." It's that's it's such one, a great, one awesome announcement. Yeah, not too many horror westerns out there. So, yep, that is true. Hitting July 28th, part of the Summer Fair. I shall actually be buying that on release day. I will pay full price for that one. Cool. Which doesn't happen. You don't hear me say that very often because I'm a Jew, but I will pay full price for that for one. For a film that he has never seen. Yeah. And he's really high on it. Really high. Because <laughs> I did not want to pay $60 for the Wazergus. I've been wanting to watch it. So. <laughs> That's cool, man. I will pay the full price for that. Interesting. So that wraps that up can... the news, guys. I think that's a Charlie Band film, too. It is. It's Empire, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, so getting just, in. So wait, does that mean Charlie Band sold him the rights or gave him the rights? No, 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 because Charlie Band doesn't own Empire. Well, who owns Empire? MGM. Oh. Yeah. So why the fuck haven't they released more Empire films? They have. They've released a shit ton of Empire films. Oh, Dolls shows you what Beyond, <laughs> Ghoulies. Yeah. Uh, I mean, shit, like, literally, like, Prison. A lot of their films. Terror Vision. Like, shit, dude. There's, um, yeah, yeah. They've released so many Empires. Yep, that is true. And there's so many good ones to go to. Yep. So, yeah. Alrighty, so that concludes the news. And moving along into Mood Swings and the releases, the uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases for March 17th, 2015. Oh, Is it shitty? <laughs> Last week was good, though. Last week was really fucking good. A lot of really notable releases this week. Not so much, but there is one notable in case you don't have a copy of this, but it's more notable because it is the first release from Arrow America. Um, Mark of the Devil is hitting Blu-ray. How much is it? 30 bucks, right? <laughs> Fuck, man. The pre-orders in this was like 35 or something. I think they're 27 or 28 bucks now or something. Yeah, it's the 28 right now. It's that's fucking crazy, man. But anyways, this does mark the very first official release from Arrow Video in America. So, Mark of the Devil, I will not be buying this release, um, unfortunately, because I actually have two copies on DVD, and that's just not going to upgrade. <laughs> just not going to happen. So, but for the people out there that don't have it, it's a cool movie, you know. Is it $30 cool, though? No, no, yeah. <laughs> not $30. It doesn't even come with the fucking uh, the puke bag. That's bullshit. Yeah. Um... But yeah, I don't know. Arrow video. Cool stuff. Uh, next up is a film from Anchor Bay called Muck. This one, it, it actually just says, it's just like a Blu-ray release in here. I don't know if it's on DVD or not, too, but it is. Um, it's on DVD, too? Yep. 
Which would make sense because, like, Anchor Bay River just drops Blu-ray onlys, right? <laughs> when does that happen, right? I've heard mixed things about this one, but I've heard some positive things, too, so... I don't even know what it is, really. What is it? Like, is it, like, a creature feature, or is it, like, a... I think it's a, like, slasher. Um, oh, really? Yeah, Backwoods, Psychopath, Slasher, Kane Hodder's in it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Kane Hodder. Um, next up here is a film called A Cry From Within. Uh, it's, I started laughing because the first name I saw in it was Eric Roberts. And I'm like, Eric Roberts literally is in like a thousand fucking movies now. It looks <laughs> ghostly as fuck. Oh yeah. And that was being released by Breaking Glass Pictures. So yeah, Breaking Glass, they haven't released anything in a while. Uh, no, they, they released stuff here and there. But not they too do. much. Um, it's a like tormented soul never dies. So this is probably, it's a ghostly, probably. I don't know. Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Fucking Eric Roberts just popping up in everything these days. Not as much as Danny Trejo. Oh, no, they're competing, man. Seriously, he's in a lot. Uh, now, this one kind of didn't really interest me as so much like the cast actually got me intrigued a little bit, but it's called uh, The Invited. This one is actually starring Lou Diamond Phillips and Pam Greer. Isn't that a weird cast? Trippy. Yeah. Don't really know much about it. This one's being released by Crystal Sky. What don't the know fuck's what... that? Not a clue, man. I I don't even know. It's like a Ouija board type movie. Oh, yeah, perfect. Yeah, something like that. Um, <clears throat> this Still a ghostly. One, probably. This next <laughs> one I've heard uh, mixed reviews on it already. Uh, I think this one actually suffered from production problems and shit like that. Um, this is actually Brittany Murphy's last film called Something Wicked. Uh, finally being released. Um, Fuck, she so. was a good well, actress. She man. probably died in the middle of filming, so it probably was like a huge clusterfuck of how are we going to finish this film? No, I don't think she did actually. I think oh, this so movie she, was done. She did the entire film. Yeah, yeah. She this did. movie is a couple. Like it's pretty old. It's like a few years old or whatever. But Fuck, uh, man. she was such a good actress. But I. I was reading like a little thing on it it did suffer from like a whole pile of problems and i guess it shows on the screen it just seems rushed and not Mm -hmm. very good and shit like that so unfortunately something wicked if you want to check it out if you're a fan of Brittany murphy definitely give it a shot at the last film you see that you'll see her in um next up here (laughs) i thought this was a really weird release they're releasing like a compilation kind of box set deal of uh dexter the most shocking episodes that's so stupid because how the hell are you supposed to do that it's like there's a linear timeline. It's not like a Simpsons show or something where you can just pick, like, the best of. I know. I know. That's what I thought. And there's ten episodes, and it starts with the pilot. And then it's got Born Free and Resistance is Futile. And, you know, it just goes on and on. So it actually covers right through. Um, it's not just going to ruin the show. Seasons. That's fucking stupid. Well, if, you, if you've never seen Dexter and you start with the most shocking episodes, you're screwed. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. It's like having, like, uh, Breaking Bad. It's like, okay, we're going to put Fly on here, and, well, Fly's not really a big deal, but. Yeah, it's just a bad idea all around. Who the fuck wants to watch the best of? It's retarded. Well, um, it makes sense if it's something like Treehouse of Horror or something like the Twilight well, and, Zone. And, that's an anthology and, and, show. Well, exactly. That's completely different. But, you know, a structured, you know, show with a storyline, is that doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, next up um, is uh, the complete series of The Ghost Whisperer. Uh, starring, of course, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I've never seen this show before, but it's, it's ghostly all as hell. CBS. <laughs> this is yeah, as it ghostly really as it gets, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Huge Tits. Um, <laughs> Fifty ninety nine, guys. 
Jesus Christ. That's a little high for that. 29 discs, though. I mean, that's a lot. Damn. Hmm. Interesting. And uh, last up for what I've got here anyways is a film called Shadowed. Um, that's original title. Yeah, this one, fuck, I have no I don't know. Slasher film, your past has a vengeance. I don't know. I can't even tell by the cover what the fuck this is. If it's like a ghostly slasher released by Pathfinder Films. Is it a ghostly slasher? Well, you uh, can get it for Supernatural slasher. on DVD. Oh, yeah, that's a real fucking good price. Yeah, this week's uh, DVD and Blu-ray release is really, really skimpy. I feel like there's something missing, though, from this list, but I just don't know. I don't know, but that is going to do it. <laughs> it's pretty bad. There's like nothing. There's not God, one. God, that was issue. shitty. There's not one release. This might even be the very well, first week muck. that I've ever seen. No, I just have absolutely no interest in it. What? It just absolutely no interest in it. I'll, I'll family video. You'll own it before any three of us. <laughs> Maybe no, if, Jeremy pick, if Jeremy picks it up for me for a buck fifty, I will. I don't know, dude. I'm not, Kane I'm not Hodder, pay backwood slasher. Like that sounds fun. The last slasher Kane Hodder was in was pretty shitty. Uh, I don't know. It just I don't know. It doesn't look that interesting. The family was pretty fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's that's like gonna do it throwback for horror and stuff. Sounds fun. Who fucking knows? Who knows? I don't know. Like I said, you know, first impressions, not impressed. Floppy cock, so. Ready, man, let's get into these voicemails, JP. I know we got a couple, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. This week we have a couple more than normal. We have three. And first up, we're going to hear from our wonderful friend, Mr. Brandon. Hey, guys. It's Brandon calling. Um, definitely agree with what people are saying on the Facebook page. Let's do a... Um, splitting of the prizes for episode 50 which is awesome that you guys are going to be doing that and like I said I have a sealed copy of True Blood 1 and uh, I'll throw in something else too so uh, count me in for, for two things uh, you know as it gets closer to the show you guys can decide how you want to do it um, question for this week I'm not sure if this has ever been asked I'm sure it's been asked but I don't remember um First horror movie you guys ever saw in the movie theater? Uh, mine was actually in the summer of 89. It was July or August. And I saw two movies. I'm not sure which one I saw first, but it was Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, and Friday the 13th, Part 8. I was nine at the time, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, my parents were actually cool letting me see horror movies so young. Um, mine too. Yeah, that's it. Uh, check out ABC's of Death too. I definitely liked it better than the first one. I definitely <laughs> didn't think it was as shitty as Jeremy thought. Um, yeah, okay. that's okay. All right, thank you, Brandon. So he wants to know what was our first theatrical horror experience, and we, me and Moods, was having a fun time solving this mystery last night because I instantly remembered mine, but Moods' memory was a little fuzzy, so we had to tr- go look at each film that came out each year and figure out what the first one was that he saw. But let's go with Jeremy first on this one. Uh, Freddy First Jason. 2003. 2003. So I was 10. Nice. Cool. Pretty fucking awesome one to go. Yeah, to that, first. that's a great that movie. To go that to. movie's fucking I, I awesome. actually went and seen that in at the drive-in uh, back in 2003 on opening night. I was not 10; I was like 12, I think. Yeah. Moots. 
Cool. Um, yeah, man, we spent a lot of time trying to figure this out last night, and I, I couldn't remember if it was um, Hellraiser 2, but I knew, or yeah, Hellraiser 3, actually, which would have been in 92. Uh, but I know I'd seen something before that, and I was like, okay, what was it? What was it? And then we figured it out. It was uh, Child's Play 2 oh, from nice. 19, in 1990. Um, I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, I've seen that shit. Now, it's still very kind of, like, foggy and stuff. I swear to God, I've seen the Blob remake in the theater, but I can't tell you for sure because I'm getting really old and my memory is getting all fucking, you know, foggy. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Child's Play 2 because I know for sure. Fucking I've seen that in the theater in 1990. So, yeah, I was about 10. Uh, I know I'd seen many films before that in the theater, just yeah. that's the first horror film. So, yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, most definitely, that is definitely a great one to see for your first film. Mine was also a sequel. Uh, so I, I've always remembered the first one that i seen in the theater. It wasn't a theater, it was a drive-in, but it was the first time that I went to the movies and seen a horror film. I also remember the first film i seen in general. I know Moods was Stand By Me in like 85 or whatever, right? You yeah. were five when you saw Stand By Me? Oh, man. Pretty I, baller. I've told the story before, and the the dead body at the end, Ray Brower, gave me nightmares for, like, years, man. That Just those cold, dead eyes staring up. Just, Watched about you? Oh, man. Yeah, my dad took took me to see it. He was home for the weekend or whatever because my dad worked out of town. And took me to see Stand By Me. I'll never forget it. Pretty cool. Yeah, so so my, my first film that I had ever seen in the theater was actually The Lion King in 1994. I seen it twice. I was living in Florida at the time. I remember it perfect. Because uh, we went and get wait, we're talking about horror films. Uh, so the first horror film I saw in the theater was Scream Two in I believe 1997. Is that when Scream Two came out? Scream. I think so. Yeah. 97 or 98. Is that why you love Scream so much? Um, no. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the sequels of Scream, actually, but I love the original Scream because, to me, that was one of the first films that really kind of went above and beyond and crossed over into, like, just the mainstream, just overtook the world, um, at least that I was alive mm-hmm. for. But, yeah, Scream 2 in 1997. I was six years old. I went to the drive-in with my aunt, my mom, and my cousin, Scotty. Uh, he fell asleep. I watched Scream 2 and eight. Uh, an Italian hoagie from this local video store that made that was also a deli and stuff uh, cheese fries I remember it like perfect it was really cool because I really understood the film too I remember the reveal of the killers and stuff because I'd seen the first one I was a huge fan even at only five or six years old I was in love with Scream you know it was so fun to me and so I understood the twist and, and things and I remembered that was like the first time I like you know the seeing something new like that like when it first came out it just always like stuck with me so scream 2 man i have great memories of it but to this day i'm not the biggest fan of that film i do like it though it's just not it's just Uh, eh, i don't know yeah so that was mine that that was a great question really nostalgic for me uh you know jeremy do you remember the first film that you've seen in general just you know really quickly Mm. (laughs) Nah. <laughs> All right. That's a uh, hard one. Our next voicemail is coming from Derek. Hey guys, Derek question. here. Got another question for you. I've been watching a lot of uh, cinema from like Australia and Japan. I was wondering if you ever guys ever seen like a film from either of those countries that was like had a lot of what the fuck moments in it. <laughs> That would be wicked 
awesome if you guys could give me an answer on that. Hope to hear back from you guys. Keep up the good work. Hmm. Peace out. I love our Boston bro, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Moods, I feel like this is mm. a question aimed more towards you, since you've seen everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Japanese what the fuck moments? Oh, my God. You know what? Where do we start, man? Okay, I'm going to start with a director that a lot of people are very, you know, they, you know familiar with. Um, excuse me while I butcher his name, but it's uh, no, Noburo Iguchi. Yeah, I, I probably butchered the fucking shit out of that but um i started watching this guy's films and every time i'd pop one in it was the whole fucking movies were what the fuck <laughs> moments man. like this guy does some of the most insane craziness i've ever seen on film like um he did a film called the machine girl which is just batshit retardedness but the one film that i always remember by this guy I reviewed it I, on body bags one time and it's uh, zombie ass toilet yeah. of the dead yeah, and it was like zombies coming out of assholes and, and it, it's so <laughs> the whole fucking movie is what the fuck it's absolutely entertaining as hell to watch it's so fucking awesome but yeah dead sushi is another one that he did that's funny as hell because it's literally flying sushi <laughs> it's like what the fuck but this guy is the perfect example of what the fuck moments in films and he's a good one man he's got a lot of really good stuff and he had a short in the abc's of death i can't remember which one he did is that though. the one with the ass when the girl's farting oh yeah 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 his <laughs> was fart his was after fart that's right um robo geisha is another really ridiculous film that he did oh that um, fart one <laughs> Yeah, F for fart. Of course, because then he, you know, he did zombie ass and he's got to do F for farts. Of course, oh, it makes sense, man. right? So, um, I, I haven't actually checked out. He did another film called uh, Mutant Girl Squad that I really want to check out. I heard that one's fun. So, but, uh, yeah, Derek, if you've never checked, I mean, I'm sure you've checked out his films, but seriously, like all filled with what the fuck moments, man. So I'm going to go with that right there. Australian flicks. Um, I'm sure there really Coffin is. Rock is fucking awesome. You know, Patrick uh, kind of had a couple I don't know. of what the fuck moments. Not, yeah. not like I'm really maybe like, like weird and bizarre, but just like well. Mm-hmm. The one that comes to my mind is uh, it's not really a bunch of what the fuck. It's just it's really good exploitation, but it does have some interesting scenes in it, which is Turkey Shoot. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that film. Oh, it's just out of print. It's hard to get. So yeah, no. I actually have a copy that was sent to me uh, from Australia, but uh, it, it's got a couple of really cool moments in that film too. It's like kind of what the fuck, but um, I love that flick, man. It's good. Ex- uh, oh, it's exploitation stuff. It's great, but I don't know. What are your guys' experiences with Japanese and Aussie related? What the fuck moments? Well, I gave mine. Patrick was pretty much all I had. <laughs> mm, yeah. Mm. Don't know too many Australian movies to be completely well, I, honest. Okay, I actually do not like a lot of that Japanese humor, like F for Fart and those type of films. So I just don't like. Yeah, they're them. not for me. I, I think they're stupid, yeah. to be honest. I know you. I know. <laughs> of I know course you, you do. You guys are so fucking up. Oh, seriously, it's not your... Oscar nominated, so I can't watch it. It has to be nominated <laughs> for an Oscar. <laughs> actually, or else that... I can't include it on my twenty-four hour Oscar coverage on my channel. I can't do it. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. Fuck you! You wanted me to fight back. I'm just not, I, I just I can't get into them. I don't know what it is, man. Like it, it's, uh, it's just not for me, really. What it comes down to. 
Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not for Texas everybody. Chainsaw Massacre. They're definitely not for everybody, that's for sure, because, you know, the humor Ooh, is very... What about House? House. Oh, the, the Japanese yeah. film House? Well, that's a oh, fuck. That movie is definitely <laughs> yeah. a what the fuck, man. Yeah. That is actually one of the weirdest movies I think I've ever seen before. It's so strange. I contributed. So strange. That's a good one. That's a really yeah. good one. Fuck, forget about that one. Yeah, that's a good one, man. That's a good one. Um, Australian, though, man. I, I love my Aussie flicks, man. But for what the fuck moments? Mm, I don't know, man. Uh, that's Snowtown Murders, that's for sure. Not so yeah, much Snowtown what the fuck murders, moments. Like, like, it's it's kind of stuff that shit? it's. You know, I'm I, that I'm so not much? like overly unfamiliar with, but you know, um, you know, for a newer flick, of course, that has some interesting moments is uh, I wouldn't say what the fuck moments, but you know, interesting. And Jeremy could probably agree uh, as the loved ones. Um, yeah, it's a great Aussie newer flick yeah, that has a couple moments. I think Undead. Yeah, you too. <laughs> Undead is another flick that actually turns into what the fuck. Um, I, I, Undead might be a, a Kiwi flick, though. I'm not sure. Um, but it, it, it's from that region anyways, but the end of the movie of undead is so strange. It's mm-hmm. so fucking strange. The shit that's going on in the sky, oh, it's strange. So I remember watching that one kind of going, Whoa, wow. Um, I don't know, man. I love my Aussie flicks, man. I could go on and on talking about them, but for what the fuck moments, <laughs> the Jap, the yeah, Japanese yeah. flicks take the cake, mm-hmm. though, man. I, I mean, really, we could just go on forever, but I just wanted to pick one specific director right. because. So that yeah. brings us to our third and final voicemail. Uh, we have one from Matt, finally calling in. He'd been saying he was going to, so uh, here's Matt. Hey guys, this is Matt, and I actually have a question for the show. Um, you know, there's been a ton of werewolf films, vampire films. You know, there's even been a bunch of Frankenstein, and including The Mummy. But there's no love for the Gill Man. Uh, what do you guys think? That, do you think the Gill Man is the, uh, the red-headed stepchild of the Universal line? Or maybe someone else, maybe like Invisible Man? But the last one I could think of was Hypothermia. I consider that a Gill Man type movie. <laughs> Other than that, I'm uh, really enjoying the show, guys. Keep up the good work. I can't wait to listen to more. So let me know what you guys think. All right. Man, did he just compare Creature of the Black Lagoon to fucking Well, he said it's like Gilman well, type. The guy yeah, had, I know. The, I know. Well, it, you know, in a sense, it's kind of similar. But, yeah. man, dude, the guy or that film, Hyperthermia, is so fucking funny to watch because <laughs> it's totally a, a dude fuck, just man. in a rubber when suit. you first see that thing, you're like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, I think when I was first watching the film, I was expecting something else. And it was just like a dude like in a wetsuit pretty yeah, much very obvious dude but <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny um, actually um, that's cool that matt finally caught in uh, i actually did a show with matt a while yeah. a while ago very uh very very interesting opinions and stuff so um i would love to hear more voicemails yeah, with you, them mm-hmm. yeah matt was mm-hmm. good in that show you really sucked. i know that was actually one of your worst shows i was like um, matt killed it you were terrible i was like terrible. i remember he was like how'd the show go i was like well matt killed it but i sucked yeah, yeah. Got to step um, up your game if you want to win an Oscar for best. It's like podcast. It's, a, it's I got to say, man, this is a good question because the creature from Black Lagoon is uh, my second favorite Universal monster. Who's the first? Um, Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Yeah. 
It's always I everything Frankenstein related. I've always been. Ghost I love Frankenstein's fucking yeah. amazing. Yeah, everything good, Frankenstein's amazing to me. But Creature from the Black Lagoon is definitely a close second. I love the creature, and it's very overlooked. And it's interesting that there hasn't really been a lot of adaptations of the creature story. And you know, there was only a couple sequels and whatnot, right? So. Um, I'm really surprised that they haven't done like this kind of new age kind well, of uh, did you know that there was story and stuff because they keep doing Dracula and Frankenstein and all the other ones and and obviously Wolfman and they they keep being adapted and stuff. But why not the creature man? He's a, he's a cool looking. Well, fucking that's the thing. thing there was that's a, a creature in production, and I believe it was either had by Guillermo del Toro or Peter Jackson. I can't remember. One of those was attached. Uh, the, I heard the script because the, the script eventually like became online or something because it just was in development hell for so long, and I heard the script was pretty good actually. It was it was really well done, and you know to see like Del Toro, or, I think it was Del Toro. Now that I'm thinking about it, but to see like Del Toro do like a creature film, I think that would be really cool. Like there, he would definitely bring like this different mood and atmosphere to it um, that he brings to his films. That that would have been nifty. It would yeah, I. I- completely agree with that that would be really fucking so that just never happened it was just it was one of those things that just could not make it to that next uh you know step Mm -hmm. Hmm. um what was the original question again did we feel like the (laughs) gay man is overlooked and i guess we kind of answered it the answer is yes that's right yeah i i completely 100 percent about the invisible man man he's fucking cool too Hollow Man, the Invisible Man, you know, they're probably my least favorite kind of thing. Well, actually, the Phantom, probably if you throw that in there. But, um, yeah, man, creature, dude, he needs a little more love. Got to throw Gillian some more. Came so late, but still, I mean, it's all these years later, and we yeah. see. But didn't the Invisible Man come late too? Right. Not as late as Creature. Yeah, the Invisible Man was out before Creature. Creature was what late forties. I can't remember the exact dates, but yeah, I think Creature came along in the fifties, right? Or might not? Okay. I don't even. I don't even fucking remember the dates, dude. But regardless, overlooked for sure. No, I think Creature was in the forties. I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm <laughs> just, just not familiar with Universal, so I have no idea. I shouldn't even talk about it. But the Hollow just, Man was kind of the Invisible Man for the new age, right? Hollow uh, Man, Kevin Bacon, <laughs> I guess. With yeah, Kevin I know. Polkjop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I don't think that we've really seen, like, another... I mean, there's been, like, underwater creature movies, not so much uh, humanoid style, though. So, I, I, I mean, that was an interesting example, was the uh, <laughs> the terrible uh, hypothermia. <laughs> Man, hypothermia started out pretty good, and then when you see the creature, it's just kind of silly, or, like, it's almost... Because the movie is like, got a serious kind of tone to it, and it's like... What? Like, that was too comical, and it ruined the whole fucking mood and the tone of the film. You're just like... Uh, I know some people, like, completely disagree with us. They're like, you know, you know, it's better... To, I do agree with the fact that it was better to have the dude in a, in a fucking wetsuit than it was to have, you know, the CG. creature CG'd. I do agree with that, but my thoughts on the creature is still that it looks a little bit silly for the tone of the film. <laughs> you know, it's like, what the fuck is that? It's just... It shouldn't be making you laugh, so... I don't know. Um, nope, do that's we have it any more? voicemails, but uh, definitely send your voicemails in every week and send your voicemails in for episode 50, which is literally right around the corner. Or figure two, yeah. right around the corner. So, 
Well, it's pretty damn close. What is it? This is episode 40. Yeah, but there's no so. literal corner that it's behind, so. Well, <laughs> of course there isn't. Fuck. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Well, I guess moving along in mood swings here, we're going to get into the uh, Corners Report, Weird Stats and Morbid Facts, courtesy of Rumor Magazine. Can we Magazine. get a Rumor sponsor yet? Uh, yeah, we should be able, we should get one, man. Um, now, this morbid fact is coming from the uh, November of 2010 issue, 106. Uh, this is the one that featured a Serbian film on the cover. Um, I don't know if I... Not sure people know this. It's not really, you know, the craziest thing, but I think it's kind of cool because, you know, as a minor wine connoisseur myself, um, I, I thought this was cool. So Friday the 13th actress Adrian King. Uh, yeah, Alice, I have a bottle of her wine. Really? Yeah. In the original movie recently licensed her own wine called Crystal Lake from Valley Wine Winery. View Winery. It sells for twenty bucks a bottle, including her autograph. She's the yeah, nicest dude, lady. Adrian King is awesome. That wine company has been around since about two thousand ten, I would say, and she's personalized well, yeah, all of her bottle, bottles. In the summer, they'll have sale. There's probably a sale right now since it's Friday the thirteenth, but you you can get like three different um, flavors of wine or whatever the hell wine is, and uh, mm-hmm. she'll personalize the autographs and stuff. Um, she's been, I remember talking to her on like some kind of social media, whether it was Twitter or whatever. Um, and I wanted to like try her wine, but I never ordered any of it. Uh, she has, it's like, Mm -hmm. I think it's like a family run winery too. So like, it's, it's legit. I don't know. I've met a lot of, I've let a lot, I've met a lot of people in my day and she's, she's still been the nicest person I've, I've met. So Mm -hmm. she's a nice lady. You can see a picture of me on my Facebook. She's, every she's like a really nice lady. so does every bottle still come autographed so. like even to this day? Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I obviously pick pick that one because it was Friday the Thirteenth yeah. related, right? And it's wine so, related, you know. Yeah, and it's cool, man. You know, I think that's really cool that she actually personalizes these fucking bottles. That's pretty wild. Twenty bucks, you know? It's not bad. Well, that was two thousand ten. Autograph at a convention. Be a now. That's what I paid for my autograph when I met her. Twenty bucks. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. So is the wine well, actually one thing good? that also is the the cover is really cool. Well, I never the label it. on the bottle is dope as hell. It's like the yeah. the scene where she's like laying in the canoe with her hand in the yeah. water. It's awesome. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. Is the nice. wine? Is the wine you good, Jeremy? Out. I never drank. I just bought it as a collector's oh. item. <laughs> Is it still sitting around, like, full? Yeah. Huh. Q, Q. It's packed up away. I bought it before I moved to my new house, which was, like, what, a year and a half ago? Mm-hmm. It's, it's somewhere. There's a cool thing to have, I guess. Alrighty, so that is going to conclude Mood Swings. Gia. And moving along, we're going to get into the WWW portion of the show, of course. It is what we watched this week. Uh, who wants to go first? Jimmy. Jeremy, go first. God damn it. Every fucking week I got to go bitch. first. All right, I'll go first. Just because I want just because I want to hear you say, you're a fucking asshole. Well, you're <laughs> a fucking asshole. And I guarantee Jeremy's first film is Oscar related. Yep. <laughs> All right, so... First Oscar-nominated film I will be talking about today 
is a That's... short from the year 19... Well, it's not a short. It's a film from the year 1928, and I talked with you guys a little bit about this when I watched it yesterday, and that is a movie called The She... The Sea... She... Oh, my God. I can't say sea. The Seashell and the Clergyman from the year 1928. Uh, it's French, of course. You know me and my French film, so... This movie is extremely, extremely strange and weird. Like, I there, I can't even explain the plot to the film because, to be completely honest, I have no idea what the hell the movie is about. But it's very reminiscent. I'll tell you why. It's very reminiscent of a David Lynch type of a film. I could easily see when I was watching this that David Lynch was pretty influenced by this movie because there's it's just fucking weird-ass shit happening and like I said, it doesn't make any sense, but it's about this guy who is um, seeing things about this woman that he loves. It's fucking weird. There's titties in it. It's fucking from 1928, and it's like – it's just a really, really weird and trippy film that does not make any sense. It's only 42 minutes long because it's an early um, you know, experimental type of a film. But um, the thing is that you this film really doesn't have a legit release because – um, they were actually showing the reels out of order for the longest time, and nobody knew about it. Like, they were showing the movie out of order because it doesn't make any sense. So nobody knew that what they were actually watching was a film that was edited wrong together. The reels were put in the wrong order. Until a few years ago, uh, when, you know, it actually got a legit uh, Region 2 release, and they realized, oh, this is not in the right order. So they... Uh, they released the film with the correct order, and they added about 10 minutes of footage because if you see any footage, there's this film's in a Kino box set, but it's cut by 10 minutes. It's only 31 minutes long instead of, uh, you know, 40 minutes long, the, the original cut, and that new 40-minute cut is only available on the uh, Region 2 PAL release, which is out of print, and it's extremely hard to get, but it's the best way to see the film, but... This movie is weird. If you like, like, super uh, imposed faces on glasses and weird-ass dream sequences, um, this film's definitely for you. Like I said, if you like David Lynch, definitely check this one out. It's from 1928, like I said, so uh, it's silent. And um, the score that I watched it was actually really, really fucking good. And one of the most interesting scores that I've listened to when I've been watching these silent films, um, you know, recently... And um, when the film was released, um, they actually watched the film silently. So there was no orchestra or anything that was playing during the film when it came out in the 20s. So to see somebody put their own unique spin on the film today with an interesting soundtrack is really, really interesting. So check it out. Like I said, it doesn't really make any sense. I watched it you know, in class as an experimental film, but it definitely has some really, really weird and creepy-ass moments um, with this dude just walking around, it's weird. Like I said, uh, if you can watch the 31 minute version on YouTube, like I said, it's not as good. It's public domain, so you could get it anywhere. But um, you know, check out the Region Two release if you could find it. But I don't think you can. So what's the what's the big difference between the 31 and the 42? Just I don't know. a bunch I of random watched, scenes. Yeah, I haven't watched the 31 <clears throat> minute. But what I would assume is that that they didn't know they were watching the film out of order this entire time. So they probably were missing an entire reel of film, and someone must have found something or something among those lines. I haven't really read into it too much yet because I just watched it yesterday. But 
I, I'd be curious to know how they fucking didn't include 10 minutes of footage in a Kino release, which, you know, is pretty pretty well known for, you know, um, preserving films and restoring films and things like that. So it's a hmm. strange fucking film. It's French. Check it out. Eight and a half out of ten. It's weird as hell, but really, really enjoyable. I was not expecting to like it. I think I was the only one that liked it in my class because I was used to watching these weird fucking strange movies. So it's good. Yeah, they're French. called Oscar nominees. Yeah. Anfangard. <laughs> Anfangard. I can't fucking pronounce it, but that's what it's fucking fucking called. Eight and a half out of ten. Check it out. It's weird. I'd be curious to know your opinion about it, Mood. So. Mm. Sounds it sounds interesting, man. I love David Lynch films, man. Very, very just, David Lynchy, and to see like bare titties in a movie in 1928, very, very uh, interesting and shocking to see that in a movie so early. But you know, it's French, so they, you know, they of course yeah, it's, it's a little less different, British. right? Yeah. Showing some naked. Yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, and this is experimental film, so it's only like people were like watching this all the time. So, huh. It's strange. It, the editing is really, really fantastic. Uh, so check it out. It's interesting. I mean, it's like Alan Robet's Gillet films. Uh, I talked about a film, uh, Il Mortel, one time in a video. And it, I, I kind of referred to his filmmaking as very David Lynchy. But the thing is, his film, like that film came out in like 1960. Yeah. It's a French film. And uh, I think you actually commented on that video. But he's a really interesting filmmaker because, you know, obviously David Lynch came after him. And it just kind of seemed like to me... Maybe David Lynch had watched some of his films, and just the just the tone and oddness to the films seemed very David Lynchy. But yeah, I know yeah. There, there's probably a story somewhere behind it a little bit. If I would actually like, you know, really really watch it like three or four or five times, and I, I know there's probably a story somewhere in between that. But I think this is more of a film to either just the first time you watch it to sit down and this. So is it just a bunch of like like clips and stuff, or does it have you know those you know storyboards in it? It has. It follows. It has you know repeating characters and the same characters and stuff like that. It's just you follow this guy around in like this dream type of a world where he's trying to chase this girl that he likes and he's hallucinating. He drinks like this liquid and it makes him hallucinate and um, it's just like a whole bunch of weird stuff going on. There's there's got to be a deeper analytical meaning to it. I just haven't been able to really wrap my mind around it because i've only seen it once but i know there's there's definitely something there behind mm-hmm. it that i think is interesting mm-hmm. so i'd be curious to see somebody else talk about it because like i said not too many people know about this when i was looking online and i couldn't find much stuff about it so for my professor to choose it very very interesting because um, it's, it's a really weird film cool yeah awesome GP. So next, uh, I'm going to talk about Dracula Has Risen from the Grave from 1968. Uh, this film opens with a priest who is kind of exercising the castle of Dracula. Uh, Dracula awakens from a grave and is pretty pissed off that he can no longer go into his castle, so he follows that priest back to his home and then tries to kind of... Uh, seduce or control the priest's niece uh, and kind of make her his bride. So we have the uh, priest's niece and a young uh, school-type baker have sort of a relationship going on and they're in love and things like that. He kind of uh, makes a bad impression on the uncle because he's an uh, atheist um, and obviously that's probably not what you tell 
uh, your girlfriend's kind of father figure who's a priest, right? I mean, you just don't do that. <laughs> it seems like a bad move. Um, so Dracula kind of is you know well he's played by christopher lee in this one and he uh is kind of infiltrating the people around this girl um and then it kind of uh it becomes like a vampire hunter type thing um i thought that definitely christopher lee's has a presence as dracula this is kind of the first one of these that i've watched these hammer films and i thought that the use of the like bloodshot eyes made him very commanding and um i was actually really surprised at how much of the intensity came from like just those bloodshot eyes and these like very like strong looks that he would give um there's also like this filter that they use that uh kind of is like a yellow tint whenever you see dracula in frame there's like a yellow tint around him um that was kind of interesting actually i wasn't really expecting something like that um from you know, 1968's Dracula has risen from the grave. Uh, overall, I I really did enjoy this one. I thought the location was really cool, actually. It's kind of like that, um, you know, uh, it, it kind of looks like the Doctor and the Devils, like those weird, like, streets and, like, all the houses are, like, connected to each other and, like, rooftops and stuff. It, it was cool. I, I like that setting. I'm not exactly sure um, what time era that's supposed to be set in because i'm just bad with historical things like that uh but i like that setting and i will say that um overall i was pretty impressed but i do feel like um sometimes when i watch some of these older movies it feels like they always rush the ending like it it just wraps up really quickly and then like you know it like the way the way that they pick it to end it all happens within like the last five minutes and it's not like as suspenseful as we see in like films nowadays where they're just like these um kind of uh mouse and cat and mouse chases and stuff like that it just kind of wraps up quickly um which is good and bad that is definitely it's definitely more of a modern horror film thing though right that long build up and kind of or i meant to say that if i didn't say it yeah but that like yeah that's definitely something that you see in in films nowadays is that long build up but back back in like a lot of the older films i'm watching they just they end and it's like whoa and it's it's sometimes it's more powerful in a way where you're just like whoa <laughs> uh, it's over um but you know it's sometimes you kind of feel like it does just you know go a little too quickly because it's just like i love those i love the older films too that you know i know exactly what you're saying though like the the film all of a sudden just comes to an end and then it literally doesn't even have credits it's just like technicolor yeah. and it goes to the menu you're like what the fuck? You're like what the fuck was that <laughs> did i miss you feel yeah. like you missed something right you're like wait hold on yeah you feel like you that. blinked like too long you're like i think i might have missed the end of the film there <laughs> uh yeah so overall i i really enjoyed dracula's risen from the grave i'll definitely be looking at uh, more of these like old school hammer films and i give it a seven and a half out of ten yeah that's probably exactly what i would give it to it's mm-hmm. a good film you know I, I love christopher lee as dracula though he's he's really and, and that was an interesting uh depiction of his uh you know of his character you know of you know the portrayal of dracula that he does is what you said demanding his eyes were like very did you use the word i think demanding? i did actually yeah because I, I i like that i like that adjective it's a good description describing word because yeah he's just got like a major like demanding kind of, presence where he just is like it's like yeah. a menacing it's like a menacing presence that he has and yeah those eyes just you know 
definitely helps. And he just has this like very right? stern look, like like he's in complete control and like just do my bidding type thing. Um, well, he was he was a great Dracula, man. and a lot of people actually like now, him the best. You know, I've I've heard people that they love Christopher Lee as Dracula. I mean, he fucking did like what fifty well, the, films the, or something. The, so this is one of the Hammer Dracula films. Like they've done a bunch of these. Is there are the, is there any continuity in these? Because it almost felt like there was at the beginning of this one. Because like Dracula is like frozen or something. I think some of them, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I've watched a lot of these films completely out of order and stuff, and probably had questions rise in my mind too. You know, so I'm I'm not entirely sure. I can't remember. There's there's fucking so many of them, dude. I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's, yep. it's crazy. It really so is. That's uh, yep, um, that's, that's my review of Dracula's Wisdom from the Grave. <laughs> Coolio. So we we started in the 1920s. We moved to the 60s, and now we're just going to jump a little bit forward to 1974. I believe this is 1974. Yeah, with a film called Act of Vengeance. This is a well, to put it bluntly, this is a rape revenge film. Um, I've been uh, watching you and your rape revenge. I, I think rape revenge film. Well, I, I love rape revenge films because I find <laughs> that I know I'll explain this. I know it sounds funny. I love rape revenge films, but I, the reason why I love rape revenge films is because I find that, you know, the the revenge is so just. You know, it's like the ultimate reason to get revenge on someone. You know, they fucking violated you sexually. Sexually, I just find that you know, rape revenge films work I, I, so you know, well. I do you know, too, like, and I feel like every time I watch like a well done rape revenge film, like I don't like them per se. Like I do, but I don't. It's you're right. It's a weird way to describe it. Uh, but they make me feel so damn uncomfortable that anything that mm-hmm. can like make me do good. that is like I I just anything that can make me feel something any film that can make me feel something I instantly it like enjoy stuff that make my emotions you know run wild with different feelings so yeah I'm right with you on that mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah I mean. You know, don't get me wrong. I loathe rape. I think rape is one of the all-time lowest things a human can do to someone else. You know, <laughs> uh, I th- it's just despicable that people actually rape other people. It's terrible. You know, physically and mentally on that victim, it's fucking horrible. So I always found that you know the act of revenge for the, you know for the rape, it's just it's such a great present uh, you know premise. Um, but this one right here, Act of Vengeance uh, from 1974. So this is obviously pre like you know. I spit on your grave and there was actually a lot of rape revenge films that came out in like 73, 74. It's pretty fucking wild actually. But anyways, this one right here, active vengeance follows basically five rape victims that have all suffered the same fate by the, by the hands of uh, the same rapist. Um, so ultimately these girls end up meeting up at this uh, kind of support group for rape victims and they're all sitting there and they've all come to the conclusion that they've all been raped by the same guy. Because oddly enough, this this rapist makes the girls sing jingle bells when he rapes them, and he he's like, oh, "I'm the best. You like my cock, and I'm the best." And he's like That's really fucking nasty about it. it. Yeah, and he makes you sing jingle bells, and it's not even during the winter time. It's really fucking strange. Um, the odd thing about the uh, the rapist in this film is that he looks like Jason. He's wearing the hockey mask, and he wears. Which I find is very odd. This came out before Friday, so. Oh yeah, this is 1974. Yeah. Now the odd thing about the look of the rapist in this film, he goes around raping women wearing this, you know, Jason hockey mask, but he wears like a an orange prison jumpsuit, which I think, you know, Does if you're fit? really smart, if you're really smart, like you'd probably want to wear something dark to conceal your look, you know, in the shadows and stuff. Our like rapist orange smart. jumpsuit. 
<laughs> I know. So ultimately, these not five a nice girls, fit on your grade. <laughs> so these girls meet up at the support group, and they form a group called the Five Rape Victims. Form a group called the Rape Squad. The rape and Squad now, Killers. Yeah. And basically, what they do T is you know, what's that? It's Mr. T in the Rape Squad. <laughs> Mr. T. Okay. Um, the A Team uh, A Squad. Bad joke, Jeremy. Bad joke. Uh, Fuck so. you. It's not Oscar worthy, so I don't review, know. guys. Review. Um, so ultimately, they uh, they form this group, and you know they're actually you know help not not only are they hell bent on stopping this piece of shit rapist, they want to stop like all rapists and stuff. So, you know, they kind of get into some situations where they kind of put themselves in it. They almost kind of like, oh, what's that word? Um, you know when you you know when the police force you into something uh entrapment they almost like entrap these kind of guys and stuff and they start like beating up on these dudes and ultimately they you know exact a revenge on this dude and and whatnot i mean obviously you know not really a spoiler alert but um it's an interesting film though because you know there's a lot of like feminism going on in this film and just women hating on fucking cops there's a scene where the main character the the rape victim that we mostly follow throughout the film there's a scene in the police uh, station where she's just fucking like she's kind of getting the vibe that the police officers you know you know almost blaming her for the rape and she just fucking loses her shit so you got like all this kind of pro you know women shit going on oh it's crazy really enjoyable film though i, I really highly enjoyed it. i think the look of the rapist is so intriguing hockey mask and orange jumpsuit but the sing, making the victim sing jingle bells like J, uh, jp said it's fucking it's very uncomfortable and it yeah. works every scene and there is a bunch of rape scenes in this film and it's What's very uncomfortable uh act of vengeance um and i think the performances are actually really good the the main girl in this film uh, i'm not sure what her name maybe joanne harris i'm not sure if that's her name i'm just reading the back here i think she does a really good job she's really intense and just kind of brings the brings her character out like she's pissed off you know obviously she's been raped but i think she really kind of does it really well um interesting flick but man is this guy ever a piece of shit you just fucking loathe him and he's just you know the way he's talking you know you know i'm the best and, and there's a great scene between her and him when they're kind of confronting him and and she's like yeah you were the fucking worst i ever had and it's i just love the way she's kind of egging him on and oh it's great Really good stuff, but very enjoyable for it's what it MGM is. It's, movie? it's a rape revenge film. Um, yeah, this is an MGM film. It does not have a. This is one of those uh, oh, yeah. limited edition collection burn on demands. Transfer is fucking phenomenal on this. It you would never know. It looks great. It's anamorphic widescreen it looks fantastic for 1974. Just like Killer Party. These, some of these burn on demands just blow my mind how good they look. This is an MGM movie. Why doesn't Scream Factory pick it up? Damn it. Exactly. Exactly. But I do highly recommend Active Vengeance. I think it's uh, it's a really fun flick. Um, it goes by really quick. It's, it runs, I think, about 90 minutes, but it just kind of kind of runs along. It's interesting. It's got a really good pace to it and stuff. So, um, But, uh, yeah, I give it a solid 7 out of 10. So, cool. fun flick. That one does sound like something I'd be interested in checking out. Yeah, the whole yeah. Jingle Bells thing, man. It kind of makes your skin crawl. It's horrible. <coughs> I wonder why they chose that for the film. Why Jingle Bells? Because it's usually related to happy memories. It's kind of like setting your your terrible f- rape film in the 50s, you know what I mean? Like, we just expect it to be this happy experience. <laughs> I guess so. It's like totally this yeah, you leave associate it to your Jingle Bells with happy Christmas times. Well, I know Jeremy doesn't, but... Uh... <laughs> I'm a Jew, a lonely Jew, on Christmas. 
Okay. Come on, and South Park. No, we know. Uh, I know. I know what it is. You're up next. All right. So, I don't think I've talked about this movie before on the channel. I think I reviewed it on Body Bags. Or pretty sure I reviewed it on Body Bags. But, of course, I watched this one also in class. Again, for about the third time, I'm pretty sure. Uh, of course, it's another experimental film. It's called Haxon, which, of course, is a Scandinavian. See, I'm not going to be a fucking idiot this time and get made fun of because I don't know Scandinavian. Scandinavia like I did before, but uh, Scandinavian film. Now so which country is it from? <laughs> which actual country is it from? I, I think it's a uh, – God, I don't even know. Norway? Is it like by Norway or something? I think it's actually a Swedish film. I'm, I'm very Swedish because Phantom's, Phantom's Carriage is Swedish too. We probably yep. all sound like assholes right now, but I think it actually is a Swedish film. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Yeah, so Swedish film, whatever. So this is another really interesting um, experimental type of a film that's really um, pieced together in a very interesting and smart way for the time that – for the year that it got released. Um, fuck, I wish I wrote down – what year has it come out? Uh, 19, like, 1922, yeah. Yes. It, it is a Swedish film actually. Yeah, so, so it was right. So 22, you know, this is six years before the movie I just talked about. So, you know, people were still, you know, interested. At this time, we were still seeing some kind of uh, experiments being done with cinema and uh, some really interesting, of course, the United States were like, fuck that. We're not going to do any of that. We're just going to stick to narrative continuity, which we all know and watch today in Hollywood because it's... But, um... Movie, really, really interesting structure. Um, film starts out in like this documentary type of a um, style of a film, talking about witchcraft and um, you know the rise of witchcraft, and it's done in a really interesting style with pictures and uh, like uh, cut out paper and stuff like that. It's really, really interesting. I can't say that I've seen a film at this time that had this kind of uh, interesting style um, so early on because it's just it's, 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 to see a film like that to start out like a semi-documentary. I mean, man with the movie camera, but that came out in 29. So this was even seven years before that. So to see this, it's really interesting. So we got this documentary talks about witchcraft and things like that. And then the second part of the film, well, the second and third part of the film uh, is your typical mm-hmm. narrative type of a style. And we, well, the second story follows this old lady who, who is believed to be a witch. As you guys know, this movie is about witchcraft and hunting down the people who think are, you know, witches and things like that. But it is the third part, the third section of the film that has really, really interesting dream sequence um, with the devil and um, moods. You want to comment on the sequence with me? Uh, yeah. It's fucking weird. And, um, it's very eerie and trippy and it's it's strange. The set pieces are fucking phenomenal and the makeup is really, really good too. But it's just a really weird and interesting sequence. It's like 15 minutes, 10 minutes long. It's just really, really weird. When I first watched this movie, I couldn't fucking believe the year it came out in. Yeah. I was like astonished. It was a very way. controversial film when it came out. 
Yeah, which and, version did you watch of this film, by the way? Did you watch the like the Criterion yeah. full-length release of it? Yeah. Because I think that they have both, like the re-release of it was like 70-something minutes or something. Mm-hmm. So, and I think on that release, they actually have that version too, but they have the full like 100-and-something minute yeah. version or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's a fucking weird film, man. It's definitely one that, you know, multiple watches is probably Yeah, it's like the thing. third time I watched it. Yeah. But every time you like your eye glance, that's the thing with silent films. You don't have anything to you anything to distract you, like sound wise. You know something in the background that you hear, or something like that. You know, this is mainly just sitting there and focusing straight on what is happening on the screen, and your eye shifting from things to things, and not having to worry about dialogue or you know you have inner titles, but that's not really a big deal. It's just mostly about watching what's going on. That's what I liked about the C-Cell and the clergyman so much that you didn't have to focus on dialogue or anything like that. You could just watch the film. And I think that's like a really, really interesting and uh, powerful way to watch cinema that we're not used to doing anymore. That we, act, we just pay attention to dialogue and stuff like that. And we really don't pay attention to actions and foregrounds and things like that that started out cinema. And it's a really – now that I've been watching, I've been watching a lot, a lot of silent films lately, and it's it's just, it's really an enjoyable um, thing to do. I know some people like JP get bored by them and don't really have too much uh, attention to watch them, but you're missing out on some really, really interesting and some good stuff, especially this one because it makes some really, really interesting comments about mental illness, which we learn in the fourth part goes back to a semi-type documentary feel again where. Uh, the director himself actually comes and he comments on how people in, you know, back in the day with the witch uh, hunt and stuff like that, that um, these women that were often accused of being witches were actually have hysteria, which we all know is, you know, sexual frustration. And that's what people thought because they were acting weird that they must have been witches. But of course, they just didn't get laid. So <laughs> they were acting weird and stuff like that. So that's another weird part that, you know, they. They have like a – it's like an yeah. educational type of People thing. People were fucking stupid back in those days. Yeah. Really, <laughs> it's really. It's not even that they were stupid. They were just uneducated. Hysteria the time, means so like, yeah. not getting laid or something? Messed up. Well, sexual frustration in women. It's what maybe – yeah, they chalked it up too. Yeah. Well, that's why know. the vibrator was made because <laughs> – They used to have <laughs> a doctor a whole come movie your called... and get your wife off. How fun yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah. There's a movie called Hysteria. It's really, really interesting. It's about the guy yeah, I've who heard of that. the guy who yeah. invented the vibrator, and it's, it's really, really interesting that people fucking burned people to the stakes because they fucking couldn't get off, or you know, don't didn't yeah, see too pretty- many male witches, only female witches, which is interesting. But um, this is really, really an interesting movie. Of course, um, it came out a year after The Phantom's Carriage, which. Uh, you know, I've stated my love for that film many times before. So uh, this is a really interesting one to watch with The Phantom's Carriage because both films make a really, really interesting statement about mental illness and how it's treated um, You know, in the early 20s. Still pretty relevant today to the way mental illness is looked at in you know across the world. And I think it still stands today, uh, the messages that both Phantom's Carriage and um, Haxon is trying to get across. Really, really interesting. And... Um, I, I recommend it. Check it out. It's really, really weird. And like I said, it's experimental filmmaking at its core uh, early. So 8 out of 10. How long did you say that one was? 8 out of 10. Wow. It's like a 100 and something minutes. You know, 104 or 5 minutes. I've heard a lot remember. of people actually talk about that that film. 
Um, that would probably be an interesting. Yeah. I know that I that know one sounds favorite. more interesting to me than than some of them do because I like you know mental illness talk and stuff like that, and especially seeing it from a point of view of of that era, which is just kind of it would kind of probably be mind blowing to me. Well, it's interesting because it's a few of the era that the film was made in the 1920s, and it's a few of it in the 1600s or whatever <coughs> during the witch hunt. So it's interesting. It's a really interesting early film from yeah, the 1920s. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I recommend you check it out. Cool. Yeah. So cool. Uh, The Pit and the Pendulum from the year 1961. Uh, this is directed by Roger Corman and uh, starring Vincent Price. We have... Uh, a young man who goes to Spain where he hears of his sister Elizabeth's death. He then begins to question her husband about the mysterious nature of her death because she has died from fright after seeing the torturous pit down under the house where they have like all kind of torture devices like um, the Iron Maiden and stuff like that. You know, those crazy ass things that people used to die from. Uh, so as we begin to learn and uncover more of the mystery, uh, we find out that, uh, Vincent Price's character, Nicholas, his father killed his mother, uh, with some of those torture devices. We find out that maybe, um, dying from fright isn't as likely as they probably thought it was. (laughs) Um, so then, yeah, the story kind of unwraps. I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, you know, this one was really cool. It, it definitely set a cool mode, uh, mood and atmosphere, you know, in the castle and, you know, the cinematography, this, you know, creepy, dark castle, especially when they, um, you know, the nighttime scenes and things. Um, and I will say that the moment, there's a couple moments in this film that are just really spine tingling and, and. Uh, really definitely leave a impact one of which is when they are messing around in the tomb of elizabeth um investigating uh her body uh i thought that scene was really creepy and the very final shot of this film is actually very 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 creepy as well um but i will say that i felt like the last shot also uh, leaves some unanswered questions that can be um, considered plot uh, a giant plot hole in my opinion. Um, so that kind of was a bit of a negative to me. Well, it is a Roger Corman film, and it was probably made for about four or five dollars. <laughs> True. <laughs> and hey, he was like, and he's Bonds like, guys, I'm really putting week. myself out here on this one. I'm going to give you a fiver. Do what you can. I gave you a Mr. Lincoln. He was always known as a cheap fucker, man. Gave you a Mr. Lincoln. Just do it. It's why all Roger Corman films are so fucking short. Yeah. It's actually a fact. This one, you know, I've seen some Roger Corman stuff, but this one feels like a little bit uh, of like a higher tiered tiered film. I could be wrong. I I don't know. Um, Yeah. Do you like this one? I'm sure you've seen this one. I I do. uh, Yeah, of course I've seen it. It's, um... I find it okay. It's honestly one of my like least favorite Roger Corman films for some odd, weird reason. I don't know what it is about the movie. I don't even really care for Stuart, Gord- Stuart Gordon's remake, to be honest. I know that's probably blasphemy. Some people are listening going, fuck, I love that film, you know, but I'm not actually a big fan of maybe it's just the story. This I don't know what it is. It's just I don't find it terrible. I just find it kind of boring, to be honest. It, you know, I don't know. It, it definitely I a, is I a very slow burn. Like, 
that that's for sure. And I feel like some of the problems come from this story is the pit in the pendulum, right? It's the pendulum. Like you like that is your main mm-hmm. um climactic piece, right? Because the story, the Edgar Allan Poe story, of course, which this is based on, is only that that third act. It's not a full movie. You know, it's not a they take that third act and then they create a first and second act around it. Um and I think that's mm-hmm. the problem, right? Because you, the, the the pendulum stuff is awesome, but I feel like it's a little underwhelming in this film. But uh, overall, I mean, I did like it. Like, I, I definitely enjoyed it. It's definitely slow. It's probably something that I'm not going to go back and revisit at all, if ever. You know, maybe if I'm doing, like, a Vincent Price watch or something. But this is uh, obviously in the Scream Factory mm-hmm. set, um, so I checked it out. And I give it a 7 out of 10. Shit. I wasn't expecting well, that high. It's actually lower than what it's rated on IMDb. Yeah, I don't know what it is about that one. It has it's a just, lot of fans. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, sure I it does. I mean, like I said, it's not terrible. It's just like, it's not one of my personal favorite. It's definitely not one of my favorite, you know, Corman, uh, Vincent Price, Poe adaptation, you know, yeah. flicks. They've done so many. I think seven or eight of them, or whatever it was. But that's probably one of my least I was ex- favorite ones. I, this oh, seems I like that's... a film that I thought you would have been way, way, way more high on. So that's kind of surprising. Yeah, I like some of the other adaptations so much better. I don't know what it is about that one. It's just I know. Dude, it seems I odd, just can't get is what into it is, right? the uniform, the the clothes they wear, the tights, and the ruffles and shit, dude. It it kind of like I know it's of the time, so you have to put your head in there. But it's very, very laughable. Yeah, yeah. Like real laughable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you wouldn't like. It just looks films. so uncomfortable. Hmm. Cool. So seven out of ten. All right. So next film uh, that I'm going to talk about here, and unfortunately, I'm breaking this mold. You know, Jeremy was in the 20s for two reviews. Uh, JP was in the <laughs> 60s for two. Um, you know, oddly enough, I did have my second film was from the 70s, so I would have had two from the 70s, which would have been really strange. But I actually put it into quick cuts. <laughs> I wanted to talk about this one, so. This one actually is originally released in 2013. It just got another media release by uh, Parade Deck Films or something, M- MVD Visual. Uh, written in 2015, it's called Motivational Growth. Um, <laughs> shit. Saw this at Family Video, man. I wanted to buy it. Okay. Um, Motivational Growth, uh, starring Jeffrey Combs. And he's just a voice actor in this film, but I'll get yeah. to that in a minute. So. This one right here follows a guy named Ian Voliver. And basically, Ian is your – he's he's a guy that has given up on life. He's basically said, fuck it. I'm done. You know, and he decides that he's just not going to leave his apartment anymore. (laughs) He's he's basically just given up all hope and he's fucking – it's not like he – he almost kind of develops a phobia of going outside because he's been there. He's just like, he's given up. So he says, fuck it. I'm sick in his house. And it's awesome. You know, he really does look like that guy. He's been in this house for 18 months because he's all fucking scraggly looking. He's got this <laughs> nasty beard. But the best thing about this movie is the setting that it's in because he's literally in his, this small apartment and it's the filthiest fucking thing you've ever fucking seen in your life. There is piles of garbage. The walls are stained up. They look like he was pissing on the walls. There's <laughs> garbage everywhere. Pizza boxes. He's wearing dirty ass piss clothes and shit. And like I said, he's just lost all motivation, hope in life. And he's just kind of surviving on all the money that he has. And he's just like, fuck it. He actually has a grocery service. He has a girl show up at his house 
every couple weeks or whatever with the same groceries and he kind of slips her the money and he does that type of shit. But so anyways, what goes on with this guy, like I said, he's given up all hope and his best friend in the world is his TV. He's a TV junkie. He loves his TV. And the thing about his TV is like, it's an old 1960s television or whatnot. And, uh, so he's watching his TV one day and the fucking thing dies. It breaks on him. (laughs) And so now not only is Ian a super depressed individual, now he's like suicidal. You know, his TV's broken. He's like, I can't get parts for this thing, man. It's like, you know, it's a fucking old ass TV. So ultimately my livelihood. Yeah. So ultimately he decides to do the inevitable and he heads to the bathroom and he tries to kill himself. (laughs) And of course, Ian sucks at life on the outside world and he sucks on the inside too. And his, uh, suicide attempt is botched. He fucking lives. (laughs) So anyways, he steps up on this, you know, on the bathtub and falls down, wakes up sometime later and he's facing this massive pile of mold that's right next to a sink and the mold starts talking to him (laughs) it literally starts talking to him and it's jeffrey combs's voice so now he starts his relationship up with this mold because it's kind of becoming his friend and the mold has been giving him advice he's like well you know you need to get off your fucking ass clean your act up you know shave get some new clothes you know get out in the real world meet a girl and so he's like well he's very reluctant to the you know to the mold but he starts listening to him and he ultimately starts to clean up his act and he notices this girl that lives in his apartment building and she uh you know walks by his place every day and he checks her out and kind of starts his relationship with her and stuff and uh but yeah so he becomes really good friends with this mold and now since his tv has been dead uh you know, he, he, at first he thinks that the mold is really trying to help him, but then he starts getting these really odd, not subliminal messages, but his TV starts giving him messages that, you know, the mold isn't what it seems to be. So then it starts this kind of conflict going on and I'll just leave it right there. So then he kind of gets a little confused on things in reality and it's kind of switches. So ultimately this whole film takes place in an apartment. It's one setting and it's fucking awesome, dude. Like they made this this place looks so filthy and gross. It's so believable. You're just like, how the fuck could anybody live in this? You know, if you've given up on life, you know, give about any uh, shit about anything. This is how you're going to live. So it's pretty believable. Um, there is some characters that come and go from the film. Like I said, there's a, uh, the grocery girl. Um, he's got a landlord that keeps coming by the house and he's fucking funny too. He keeps asking us for his rent. And of course, Ian won't leave the place to get the money. So he keeps kind of putting it off and he hasn't paid him in like months, but the guy's like, well, he'll, he's good for it. It sounds like worm. Yeah, th- this is fucking, this is great though, man. It's really good. Like a world um, type of a movie. So like I said, he starts kind of this relationship with this girl and there's things going on with her and shit. So there's only about five or six total people in this film, um, but it's just awesome. You know, it's one of these films that's all set in one place. It just really does work. Um, Jeffrey Combs, the voice of the mold, does such an amazing job. The script is awesome. Like the dialogue is enough to keep you so intrigued. There's there's times in the beginning of the film before the TV breaks or just when the TV breaks Ian is like actually kind of talk doing, um, I can't remember the actual cinematic term for it, but you know, he's talking to the camera, you know, he's kind of doing that little breaking bit. Breaking the fourth wall. Breaking the fourth wall. So he's talking to the camera and, uh, you know, you got that kind of going on and it's really intriguing dialogue and you kind of feel sorry for him, but man, okay. I'll get into the effects here. The, uh, the mold kind of reminded me of like, kind of like the huge monster from terror vision, you know, that type of effect. You know, it was just awesome. It's like this big rubber thing with moving lips and pretty cool shit. And the TV is just all tripped out. And But 
the other aspect of this film that's really cool and keeps you intrigued is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is all done by like eight bit Nintendo sounds and, and music and shit. And it's nice. not like, it's not even to the point where it's super comical. It just fits because basically Ian has kind of stepped into this world of like, you don't know if he's like completely lost his shit or, or what the fuck is going on in his reality. He's in some type of weird kind of warp, you know? So the music really oddly fits in this film. Really fucking entertaining film. I was so entertained from top to bottom with this. Great performances, effects, and an awesome ending, too. The ending was fantastic. And I was a little worried at first, actually, when I was watching the film. I was like, is this one going to end really shitty because it's going to ruin it for me? And it didn't. It kind of delivered. I thought it was really cool how they did it. And, um, yeah, I really highly recommend this film. 9 out of 10. Motivational growth. Check it out. Jeffrey Combs is fucking as the voice is awesome and you know the funny thing is his voice is kind of unrecognizable he kind of puts on a different kind of tone to his voice and i think it's really interesting hmm. yeah but i recommend this movie with the highest recommendation when it goes down a buck 50 jeremy pick it up oh i might drop a fiver on that one it's i think you'll really enjoy it man i know yeah. uh, jp will i think you'd like like this one too so hmm. i it's like tough. how you like know what films we will like now and stuff that we've talked about so many films that it, we could like just tell now <laughs> well i think that because well, i know you're a really big fan of like you know what we call contained horror films so this one all takes place in an apartment and it's got things going on but it's really intriguing cool. you know it's it's got enough going on that it's just well, it's even fucking weird though it's a weird even film. when i seen that one like around when it got announced and stuff i'm pretty sure we covered it in the dvd releases and stuff i've always thought that it looked mm-hmm. kind of cool and just b- based on the synopsis and stuff yeah, really fun time. Oh, awesome. Really cool, you know, fresh air, man. It's awesome. Segments. Segment time. Into segments. Jeremy. All right. So, oh, man, I'm going to talk about a doozy today. Well, this one's not very good. Actually, I think this is an Australian film, to be completely honest. Um, Snowtown Matters? No, nah, this came out in 2011. <laughs> And I watched it back then. And I forgot. I pretty much forgot about it. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna. I've been watching, rewatching a lot of my IFCs lately, which is weird because I have so many. But um, all the ones that I've hated, I'd like to rewatch at least one more time and give them a second chance. Because most likely, I'm probably maybe will change my opinion on them. But uh, this one's titled Asylum Blackout." You got any of you guys seen this I, one? I do remember when this one came out. A lot of people were reviewing it back on YouTube when like YouTube was more happening. Cool. Um, and I've heard I've most it. people say mediocre things about it. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I'm going to say. So this movie is interesting. It's about a uh, – we follow this this cook in this insane asylum. And um, one night during this wicked storm, the power goes out and all hell breaks loose inside this insane asylum. You know, all the inmates, you know, get out. And they start going on a killer spree, murdering everybody and um, – that is pretty much the synopsis of the story. Um, oh, it's boring as fuck, to be completely honest. Like, the first, like, half an hour, it's just before the power goes on. It's just, you know, relationship, character building, which is fine. I don't mind that. But, oh, man, I was getting bored really, really fast. And, um, oh, I think if they had stronger characters and um, some stronger screenwriting, the film could have possibly been... A little bit better but um the pretty main character he's not very good um 
you know, if, if a film has good acting, it has a chance to be semi-okay. But as you guys probably know with me that if a film has really bad acting, I'm probably going to rip it a new um, a new asshole because that's just one thing I can't, can't stand is bad acting. And, um, yeah, man, if, if anything is presented in a film <coughs> that's typically called mediocre editing, you know, story, all that, I can handle that. But if you got bad acting, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna like what I'm gonna have to say about it. Um, so this one, eh, not very good acting, not really too many kills in either anything that's really interesting. Uh, I think this one could have had a whole bunch of interesting potential to it. Um, you know, there wasn't too many movies like this where, uh, you know, power outage and inmates escape and go crazy. I mean, you have that stupid <laughs> that lockout movie, but that was in fucking space and it was a jail instead of an insane asylum. But there's not too many like interesting insane asylum breakout type movies. You know, usually if you have an insane asylum film, it's most likely going to be a ghostly and, um, they're probably yeah. not going to be very good. You know, like 90%. I think them, that that's definitely an underused, uh, like genre or, or subgenre because they, they are creepy. I always go back to Hellraiser two. There's a lot Just of that. Hellraiser dude. two, like that creepy ass asylum with like dude cutting his hand, his arm and stuff with the bugs. Like that. Ugh. There's a lot of asylum, like insane asylum films. Like yeah, a lot. Ones? Like every time I walk in a fan, <laughs> no, not good ones. I only know a couple good ones. Like you know, Graven Connors is a good one. And Session Nine's a good one. I mean, there's not too many good ones, but there's there's some okay, interesting ones. Um, but mostly the ghostlies and yeah, you know, which is different uh, to me. Like I don't think those here. are the same genre that I'm thinking of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're thinking of films like you know, like have you seen Session Nine? Nope. From 2003, I think it's like one of the first films that were shot in HD. Um, it's really interesting. I think you would like that one. Check check it out. You could get a pretty right, cheap. Sorry for sidetrack. Have you seen Session? Like the Salem Blackout. <laughs> no, man. I, I still I have it sitting in the collection. I still haven't watched it. I know. Oh, you picked that up when you were here, didn't you? Um, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, like I well, grabbed it a long time ago. I just I don't know why I haven't gotten around to it. But. Mm-hmm. So Silent Blackout, mm, boring, 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 boring. Um. Like I said, had potential, but I was bored by the end of it. I mean, it's not too long. It's nothing like terrible, like two hours long or something like that. It was that. Oh man, you're gonna be bad, but uh, just boring, lazy characters and lazy kills and all that. But pass on this one. Another IFC four out of ten. I definitely will not be watching this one again. <laughs> so two times is enough for yeah, you. I don't really. I don't. <laughs> Yeah. I don't remember watching, or I don't remember hating it that much, but it's I don't know. Boring as fuck. I think I watched it on Netflix. Actually, I don't own a copy of it, but yeah. All right, so JP, uh, my new segment that I'm going to talk about because I kind of ran out of the horror documentaries that I haven't talked about yet, uh, so I'm going to restock on them and I'll bring that segment back in a little bit. But uh, for right now, we're going to do a segment called a closer look at this is kind of going to be a version of the thing i used to do on my channel with the video take a special edition and kind of review the film and then just touch on the special features uh, as well uh, so the first film i decided to go with is the vampire lovers from scream factory of course um this film follows a vampire by the name of carmilla played by ingrid pitt 
and she kind of infiltrates yummy she kind of infiltrates this family where she kind of uh almost like seduces it's like kind of an undertone though it's there um seduces uh the daughter of kind of a family and she's a very naive um just young girl who's like kind of looking for love and stuff like that but uh this this vampire carmilla kind of just um controls everybody in the film and i'm actually not sure what her goal is now that i think about it um she's just being a vampire you know like feeding and uh she kind of I think she kind of falls in love a little bit. And then we have uh, the people becoming aware that she is a vampire and trying to stop her. Um, but there's much more to it than that. It, it feels like that's like the simple way of, of explaining it. But there's definitely a lot of things happening in this film. Um, Jesus Christ, dude. Everybody's like really busty and low cut tops in this film. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of boobs and stuff. I was like, whoa, whoa. Um, and overall, I really did like this film a lot. I was, I was definitely into it. I was, I thought that, um, Ingrid Pitt did like a great job as, uh, the Carmilla vampire, very seductive and very, um, just in your face in like this, uh, uh, smooth type of way. Uh, really cool stuff there. Uh, Moods, you, you like this one as well? It's awesome, man. It's really fun. Sleazy. One of the it sleazier sleazy, ones from that time. It's sleazy, but at the same time... I think it's more about the look, it's, actually. It feels a little... You know, um, like, it feels a little less... I don't know if sleazy is like, the perfect word for it. There's probably a better word. Um, but, mm-hmm. the, yeah, definitely definitely very um, sleazy in terms of, like, the nudity and stuff. It's, it's definitely very... Um, fo- almost like exploitative, you know what I mean? Um, exploitive. Uh, yeah. So into the special features, there's not a whole lot on this one. We have, oh, I guess I'll rate the film. It's seven point five out of ten. Really enjoyed it. Liked everything about it pretty much. I didn't really have any problems. Um, but the special features, we have uh, a commentary with this has to be an old commentary because I know Ingrid Pitt has passed away. Um, and she's in this commentary. She sounds very um frail like it's almost hard to hear sometimes because she she has moments where she has to stop and breathe for a couple a couple seconds at a time it's it's actually kind of uncomfortable to listen to uh she's very hard to hear um there's some interesting stuff here they talk about uh peter cushing and when his wife passed away uh how they tell a story of when he wanted to like commit suicide and stuff it you know it's not a great commentary i wasn't that into it but there's definitely some um things about like how they really say that there was no intention to make this a lesbian undertones like they they basically say like no there's definitely no lesbian things here unless you see it that way um but i was like really really (laughs) like ingrid pitt was like like really serious about like no i don't understand why people say there's so many lesbian uh it's it's about lesbian vampires it's clearly not and i'm like really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what are you watching? That's yeah. strange. That's so strange. So that commentary wasn't that good. But then there was the probably most interesting thing on the disc is uh, a featurette um, interview with the redheaded vampire or the redheaded daughter 
um, she talks about her experiences in the film and it was really interesting. It's only about 10 minutes long, but she talks about how she really kind of regretted showing her breasts and being nude in the film. She said she was a virgin during the filming and she really didn't know anything about sex or anything like that. Um, very interesting to hear her kind of talk about this. It shows like a different time. But one of the things she said was that when she got casted, they almost didn't go with her because she wasn't like busty enough. And she swears that she went and ate a bunch of like yogurt and it made her boobs grow and that's how she got the part. Um, take <laughs> take <laughs> into it what you will. Awesome. But I just thought that was a hilarious story. Uh, and then there's a reading from Ingrid Pitt of the novella or the short story that mm. is absolutely dreadful to sit through. It's like 12 minutes long. Uh, and there's um, there's another interview with... Uh, the uh, no that that interview was twenty minutes long. That was the with the actress. That was really cool though. But then there was a featurette which kind of just explained the history of the film. That was only ten minutes long, but that was really cool as well. It talked about like how Hammer and um, AIP came together to make this film in the seventies, and the, for ten minutes they covered like the whole history of the film. And that's pretty much it for the for the edition. But that one interview alone, the twenty minute interview, was was like worth sitting through. That that it was really funny and really interesting to hear how she kind of regretted all this stuff, but at the same time was happy that she did it, but still regretted it. Would do it different. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah, I haven't watched any of the special features. Yeah, that was funny. That was funny. She's like, she's like, I yogurt. swear to God, that's what happened. And I was like, really? I gotta do is eat some yogurt, girls. <laughs> that's about there. the appropriate reaction. It's like, really? Yogurt? Like, <laughs> pretty awesome. All right. So for my Italian stallion of the week. Uh, this is a film from 1970. I believe it's 1974. Is this one as funny as last week's. Um, what did he say? No. Why did you take my balls? <laughs> Something like that. It's so fucking funny. That's the that's probably the hardest oh. I've laughed on the show. It's Fuck, so man. fucking funny. Yeah, in such a dreadful film to have such a funny line. Oh my god, it was so <laughs> worth the watch just for that line. Uh, yeah, this one's actually from 1974. Um, another film from 1974. Um, and it's called The Girl in Room 2A, uh, released by Mondo Macabro. Um, yeah, so pretty simple premise to this one. Basically about a girl that uh, has just been released from prison. She got kind of wrongfully arrested, spent a couple weeks in the jailhouse, and then she gets out. Uh, and then she moves into this boarding house because she's got really nowhere to go. And, um, you know, upon moving into this boarding house, she kind of notices that the gr- the woman that runs this boarding house is kind of odd. She <laughs> says really weird things or everything about her is kind of kind of odd and stuff. Anyways, one night when she thinks she's sleeping, she's not quite sure if she sees this person or not, but she kind of sees someone like in a room. And and, you know, the next day she starts seeing or she sees the same person and she kind of concludes that, you no, know, maybe she wasn't dreaming. And she kind of gets this feeling that, you know, she's being watched and followed and, and stuff like that. Um, then she actually meets up with this random guy that kind of confronts her and says, hey, you're staying in the room 2A in this building. And she's like, yeah. Um, and they kind of get conversating and, and shit like that. And she's like, and the guy's like, well, basically, um, there's something going on in this hotel. And she's like, yeah, I kind of get the feeling that there's something wrong with this place. So he ultimately tells her that, you know, his sister actually wound up dead and, and from apparent suicide. And he 
was convinced that his sister did not commit suicide because there was no way that she committed suicide. She had no reason to. So they kind of team up and, you know, start to investigate this house. And then they, they ultimately find out that a lot more girls have gone missing from this hotel without a trace from the specific room of 2A. So now, you know, I'll just leave the story right there. <laughs> you can kind of almost predict what I'm getting at here. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's, it's basically like a murder mystery. It's like a giallo flick, you know. You know, the structure of this movie is actually its biggest enemy. It's not really poorly or it's 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 kind of poorly executed, um, especially the way that she runs into this guy that she teams up with. It, they literally run into each other. I'm not joking. This is how the character gets introduced. She's walking up the steps. They literally run into each other. And he's like, hey, he's like, don't go in there. Don't look. Just just follow me. and We'll go talk. <laughs> it was really oddly executed. And then they kind of start this conversation. And it feels like they started the way the editing was in the film. I felt like they started the conversation like in the middle of like an edit. Mm-hmm. It was fucking strange, man. It was really strangely executed. But was it understandable, though? It is. It's completely understandable. Um, the story seemed a little contrived, and I don't think that they kind of executed the whole cult and ritual thing that's going on in this place. It's, it's not really – that's not a spoiler alert at all. Um, you kind of get that thing, and it shows it right on the back, to be honest, of the case. But um, they kind of – you know, the way they – they don't really tell you anything about that at all. It's more about their investigation, finding out what the hell happened to um, this guy's sister. And the story's a little contrived, though. It's like, you know, it's easy to understand at the same time, but there's plot holes and there's things kind of going on. You're like, what? Um, uh, So, you know, the kills in the film, not overly that great. You know, there's a lot better giallo and, you know, Italian films from this era that have way better fucking kills. I thought they were executed kind of poorly. The ending was disappointing. But one of the biggest things um, about this film that kind of threw me off a little bit was the odd soundtrack. The music didn't really make a lot of sense. This movie's played straightforward, you know, straight face. It's serious. And the music at times kind of takes you out of it. It's like, why would they use that soundtrack in this part? It's like, what the fuck? It seems almost too happy. And it's like, uh-huh. you know, it's just really fucking weird. And it kind of takes you right out of the film. And I was having a lot of issues. I actually laughed a couple times. And I was like, that doesn't seem right. That seems like that should be played in some weird action film. or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking strange, man. So, you know, the script definitely has its problems, like I said. And a little bit to do with the editing in the film is kind of off. But. You know, overall, it's actually not a terrible film. It's just not one of the better Giallo films from that time period, especially from the early 70s when they were really starting to get going and, and you know, shit like that. But, you know, this one's watchable. It's not the best thing in the world, but I give it about a 6 out of 10. There's just really weird things about this one that were kind of throwing me off. But if you want to give it a shot, you know, Mondo's aren't the cheapest things in the world. But uh, The Girl in Room 2A, it's okay. It's passable. So, Yeah. Dope but yeah, that is going to do it for what we watched. And uh, yeah, we got um, some quick cuts this not. week. Nope. You guys have no quick cuts. Okay. So Busy. I guess I'm the only one with quick cuts. Oh, oh. see you guys in an hour. <laughs> nah, I'll, I'll try to rip through these. Okay, we'll get into quick cuts here. Um, first off from 1980s, a film called Death Ship. It's pretty much exactly what it is. I reviewed it on Body Bags. Um a, you know, a, a cruise line gets smashed by a ship. They actually end up taking uh, refuge on the ship. And then they soon learn that this thing is fucking haunted uh, by like Nazis and shit. It's really, <laughs> it's a really fucking fun and creepy film. I love the ship. I think it's fantastic. I think it's awesome. George Kennedy does a great job in the film. Um, seven and a half out of 10. Really I've fun. Always wanted to see that one. Uh, 
Yeah, me too. I've heard good things about it. Oh, it, it's it's excellent, man. I lo- the ship is fantastic. The the ship that they use is great. Great atmosphere. Uh, Sweet Karma from uh, from two thousand nine. I actually bought this film thinking it was a rape revenge film. It turns out it's just a revenge film <laughs> about a girl that um, she's Russian. She goes over to America to seek out revenge on her uh, on her sister that uh, that has been murdered by this mob. So she kind of infiltrates this thing. She poses as a uh, like a you know a prostitute or whatever, and then exacts a revenge not bad at times it's it's one of these stories where the main character is actually a mute <laughs> so like uh it's 45 it is kind of like that and this one is just not even close to as good it's okay though it has its moments uh, there's a lot of sleaziness in this film a lot of fucking t- actually the the main character in this film is so fucking beautiful though i will admit she's like one of the most gorgeous girls i've ever seen but she doesn't talk. <laughs> so, yeah, so maybe that's uh, actually good for some people out there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Sweet Karma, it's a pretty basic uh, revenge film. You know, it, it is what it is. Uh, six out of ten. You know, it's got some good elements, some bad elements, whatever. Um, <clears throat> next up from 1973 is uh, the Swedish, um, well, classic film, uh, Thriller, A Cruel Picture, Um this one is just, uh, you know, it's another rape revenge film and another film that has a lead character that's mute. Um, <clears throat> a girl has, you know, a bad experience as a child. It, it traumatizes her so much that she actually goes mute. Um, one day uh, going to catch a bus, she actually misses this bus. This random dude picks her up and then, you know, forces her into like a le- uh, life of like prostitution and gets her hooked on drugs. She ultimately, oh, escapes, this, <clears throat> she ultimately escapes this, uh, um, you know, this life. Uh, gets all versed in, you know, shooting guns and Sounds gets shitty. Into, into karate and shit like that. Really? Um, yeah, and then she exacts a revenge. Um, <laughs> it's fucking awesome. It's just an amazing film. Really? Uh, Is it entertaining? You've never heard of Thriller, A Cruel Picture? No. You've got to be joking. Is me. that the one with penetration? Yeah, this one's got full on yeah, penetration. It's so. like, it's probably the most, one of the most famous rape revenge films ever. Oh, um, if I see the cover, I probably know. Yeah, it's released by Synapse. Oh, um, there's me saying it's terrible and it's fucking, fucking awesome. It's such a great film, man. It, like her, her revenge is just, oh, it's so sweet, man. <laughs> it's just awesome. Um, I mean, real, it is what it is, right? It's a rape revenge. Damn, film. it's expensive. Nine out, it's out of, it's actually one that's out of print, but nine out of ten, it's a great fl- flick. Definitely check it out. Yeah, 40 bucks. Um, next up is uh, Gator Bait from 1974. Uh, this one is basically about, it takes place in kind of like the, in the southern swamps, um, about a girl that, uh, you know, is ultimately raising her younger brother and sister, like in the swamp. And that's, she lives off the, off the river and shit like that. Anyways, one day she's out there illegally doing some, uh, gator hunting and these cops are always set up to like fucking bust her. Anyways, they catch her and they take chase. And ultimately what happens is that, uh, she totally gets away, but she just, she comes back to fuck with them and she throws a bunch of snakes into this boat. Anyways, one of the cops falls out. The other guy kind of trips and ends up shooting his partner in the head and killing him. <laughs> so the one cop goes back to the police station and says to the, uh, the sheriff, he goes, yeah, she actually killed your son because he's the son of the sheriff. So of course a manhunt starts and she's obviously innocent. She didn't do this. So this manhunt for her in the swamp and then, you know, they do some bad shit and then she has to fucking act in revenge. It's actually a really good film. Or, Sounds you know, good. It, it, it's pretty, it's yeah. pretty good. You know, the characters in this film you just fucking hate so much. Oh, so that the point so... in rape revenge films? Yeah, but it's just like it is perfect. It can't man. be more hateable than I spit on your grave. Wait, is this rape? 
Or just uh, revenge? It's more just revenge. There's actually not a rape in this film. Like the um, death? I spit on your grave and the girls next door. I don't know any meaner characters than those assholes. Well, it's just these ones are like very – they're just ignorant. You know, sell, They're very stereotypical like – uneducated fucking yeah. just piece of shit southern you know just Countries. dirty filthy country people that yeah. you know they're, they're just doing bad shit because and they're dirty like the sheriff is a fucking dirty bastard and you know it, it's um it's a fun film man seven out of ten and then i watched gator gator bait two there's a sequel justice yeah this one actually came out in 1988 which is strange it was like 14 years later does it follow it, like a continuous story or no it actually does have continuity which is interesting um oh. I didn't say in the first one, but the girl that starred in that film actually ended up dying about five years later in real life, which is unfortunate because she was absolutely beautiful. She was actually Playmate of the Year in 1969 for Playboy. Um, she was a good actress too, man. She's not bad, but unfortunately, so she's obviously not in this one. It's a different girl, uh, but totally different storyline. Basically, the young boy that was in the first one, he's all grown up now. He marries this girl, and of course, these piece of shit fucking southern assholes, uh, they see her you know, they kind of bust up their wedding a little bit and he's out there doing some, um, some crab hunt and, and whatnot. And, and anyways, they actually kind of kidnap her and, and rape the shit out of her. And, uh, yeah. So then there's a revenge. <laughs> so yeah. How do you watch all these rape films in one week? I would fucking go insane and kill myself. <laughs> this one right here wasn't that great. Actually. It's, you know, it's actually her doing the, the, the revenge and stuff. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of cheesy and it, it wasn't really that great. This definitely a downgrade in sequel. I give this one about a five out of 10. It's passable, but it wasn't really that great. Uh, cannibal girls from 1973. Uh, this is a Canadian flick released by Shell factory. Um, it's got Eugene Levy in it. Actually. It's uh, <laughs> pretty awesome, man. He's the got eyebrow man huge. himself. He yes. was fucking fro and awesome chops, and he just looks fantastic in the film. Well, Fikate, when did this come out? 1973. Oh, so it's about five, 10 years before Fikate. So this one right here is about Eugene Levy, Levy and his girlfriend. They uh, decide to take a trip. They stop. Um, they're talking to this travel agent or whatever. Anyways, they want to go and you know stay at this one place. Anyways, the, the story is told through you know the story that's being told by this agent about this certain motel and the history of it with these cannibal girls. There was like a bunch of people that went missing and apparently these girls were actually cannibalistic and they would kill the the, uh, the guests that would stay there and eat them and, and you know, shit like that. Anyways, they end up at this place because they're, you know, it's rich with history and shit goes down. <laughs> it's It's kind of like a comedy in a way, but it's executed really well really well it's kind of like subtle and it's really dark comedy and actually surprisingly quite gory really fucking gory i was like really surprised um it just has that total canadian feel to it that's it's it's pretty funny fun film seven out of ten eugene levy's actually awesome in the film um then i watched this isn't necessarily a horror film but i put it in here because it's a screen factory release exterminators of the year 3000 from 1983 it's a post-apocalyptic film basically set in a world where water is non-existent and water is basically gold uh these guys they find out about this precious kind of area where there's uh, this water and it's just a battle between them and all these you know these post-apocalyptic films there's really nothing new here um some pretty cool stunts not bad overall a little disappointing i've seen a lot better italian uh post-apocalyptic films than this but still watchable six out of ten and finally, for quick cuts, I watched uh, King Kong from 1933. Finally got my hands Ooh. on the fucking Blu-ray. Finally got my hands on that Blu-ray. Um, and, you know, just revisiting this film is just like, it's such a good fucking movie, man. It's so well done. I mean, 
not only for the time, but it's just an interesting storyline to the film. I love the fact of like they're making this movie in the movie and all this crazy shit happens. And I just I love that structure. You know, I think it's fantastic. I mean, it was obviously super original for the time. And, you know, even watching it today and, and seeing the effects of King Kong. And I love the scene where he like kills that dinosaur and he just breaks the neck. And it's just it's kind of vicious, actually, for what they did. And it's just an overall fantastic film. If you've never seen King Kong, the original film from 1933, you have to check it out. It's classic. Uh, nine and a half out of ten. It's just it's so enjoyable. It's such a great film. And that's going to do it for quick cuts. Nice, nice. Back. Yeah. It wasn't that so. quick, but... <laughs> I don't know how many that was maybe like eight or nine films but four yeah, hours I, later I did watch a lot of great revenge films this week yeah, but that was also in preparation too I was you know you know it was uh, top 10 revenge films and I just kind of went with that theme yeah, yeah. for mine but to me you know how I have goes. to recover after each one like I need I need like a buffer period where I'm like I'm like I need to watch some happy shit yeah I can't watch too many of those either I get depressed <laughs> Yeah, you know they they are actually a little a little hard to to watch at times, but not so bad. These ones, you know, eh. Um, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for the what we watch portion. And moving along into the featured review for episode forty six, which is another film from the nineteen seventies, which seems to be kind of a theme here today. We've reviewed a lot of older films. Um. This one is from 1974, I believe, and it is called The Centerfold Girls. Meet the Centerfold Girls. They're the most beautiful girls in the world. They're ready for anything, anywhere, anytime. Better swim back eight miles. Little things they exercise help you ladies keep those bodies in good shape. I don't need that kind of exercise to keep my shape. What kind do you need? If I knew you better, I might tell you. How far is it from beauty to ugliness? Now look, to me and I'll get you into something big. Now. You know, Melissa was right. There is a four-letter word for you, Perry. B-O-R-E. Well, at least you spelled it right. How far is it from beauty to terror? Displaying your body is filth. You dirty the mind of others. Do you know what they should do with little girls like you? She's got 600 bucks in her account. There isn't going to be any trouble, is there? I mean, uh, between you and me? What are you talking about? You know damn well what I'm talking about. I just want to help. Well, that may be very good for Detective Magazine, Lieutenant, but I really... You're a centerfold girl. And this lunatic, for some crazy reason, wants to kill pretty girls. He had his choice of the most beautiful girls in the world. 
Which would he love? Which would he kill? You scream and I'll slit your throat. The Centerfold Girls, rated R. Ultimate sleaze here. Yeah, this is um, basically an exploitation film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is, you know, very interesting, actually. It is weird. I, I don't think I've ever seen an exploitation-type, almost proto-type slasher film in a way ever structured like this before. yeah it has a weird story the way it's broken up into like different well, basically stories what this movie is is it's it's got like a three-story arc to it yeah you know it's almost done like an anthology film but it's it's all one story um very interesting actually basically about a um a fucking crazy dude <laughs> that decides one day that uh you know he doesn't like what these girls are doing these pinup girls yeah he feels that, you know, them showing off their naked bodies and shit is bad. And, you know, lots of naked crazy, bodies in this movie. Being the crazy fucker that he is, he decides that, you know, he needs to kill them to save their souls or to set them free or whatever the fuck it is. Um, and that's exactly what he's doing. And the way the structure of the film is, it's told in three different parts. It, it follows one story about a, a pinup girl, which is like, um, I think it's like Miss March. And then there's a second story, yeah. which is following Miss May. And then the third story is like Miss June. So it's done in three different, you know, kind of stories, but it's all one linear, uh, leading up to one arc. Yeah. Um, so I've never seen I've never seen an exploitation film like this. Have you yeah. guys ever seen this before? No. Well, <clears throat> I definitely, I don't think that I have. And when you mentioned anthology, I would totally consider this an anthology type that just, you know, obviously it centers around one story, but it's told in a three-story arc like you said i find that so interesting yeah um and i love that style because um you get this build up with one character you see how it plays out then you get this build up with another character and i was actually surprised i mean obviously there's not a ton of room for character development when you do a film like that and that's why we typically don't see this unique and unusual style of uh, a three-arc story because you just don't have time to build up tension and suspense and follow characters but i think it works perfectly in a There's film a like this because first of all we're not supposed to really like love these girls like that oh, like, like i hate every not... single character in this movie pretty much they're all assholes <laughs> every single <laughs> I one say everyone's an asshole but pretty much everybody like um four-fifths of the characters are all assholes. this also goes with my argument that i always mention that you don't have to like and root for characters for them to be effective and i've always stood by that and i don't think Mm -hmm. that this is a this is a perfect example of that because i don't i don't particularly um connect or like any of the lead protagonist women uh but i don't the nurse is okay well that's the thing i was gonna say i think the nurse i think her name is jackie um I actually felt pretty bad for her because she was fucking terrorized, and then she yeah. has to go through the bullshit with the fucking sleazy uh, motel ho- uh, owner too. Not even the like owner; that, his wife was a bitch. Well, no, that guy. That guy was a piece of shit though too. You can tell that he was definitely oh, wanting yeah. a piece of her because she was all broke down. Yeah. But then his wife was a piece of shit. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot of assholes in this movie. Uh, you know, not likable characters in this film. But I thought the first story was actually probably the best well, it was my yeah. favorite one yeah it was I thought it was, it was really, done really well yeah me too. Um, it was really we, fucking okay. sleazy and you feel you almost feel shitty for her because she's really being fucked nice. around yeah, but she's, being, well, so she, nice to she's being nice she be well what happens is she befriends a girl who seems like doesn't really have a whole lot of um help in life and she brings her into her house to stay while the girl's waiting on her friends and then the friends show up and they just terrorize this woman um and then 
one thing that I will say is I don't know if you guys saw this, but I got a total Manson family vibe. I hmm. definitely think it was inspired by the Manson family with that crew. I can see well, that. That's pretty awesome that you actually have that or that you said that because I was I thought the exact same thing. Yeah, I could totally the see that. The exact same fucking Especially thing. Especially with like the short haired girl. Yeah. Late, like she's fucking crazy. Late sixties, the Manson family thing happened. This is, you know, probably made in 1973. I think it was still a popular topic. I I'm, I would love to hear oh, it's, if the director. It's totally influenced. It yeah. has to be influenced, man. Yeah. It's very, very similar. You know, mm-hmm. that I, guy complete, is I completely insane, agree with it. Man. Yeah. Completely agree with it. But yeah, the first story was dark and just, yeah, it was Awesome. It was great exploited, you know, exploitation filmmaking, really. I thought it was awesome. Lots of boobies. And then... I think every scene, there's boobies, pretty much. Okay, well, okay. Let's get into the actual, you know, the actual killer in this film. Uh, What what are your thoughts on him? I think he's, uh, I think he's a very... He reminded me of a young, tall man. He just reminded me of... You know, somebody that would definitely be doing this. I think, I think the look and, and the portrayal, the guy, you know, the actor, I think he did a great job, but he's just kind of exactly what I pictured as this obsessive, you know, I guess it's kind of obsessive, but he's fucking dorky. He's definitely a dork. Yeah. And he's, he's got mental issues, but I think the look, they got it right. He's the perfect look. And the guy that they cast, I think everything about it was great. I kind of, he kind of reminded me oddly of the, uh, the the the, the kind of retarded character, and I I spit on your grave original. <laughs> the kind of retarded character. Um, <laughs> like he just retarded me of is that not a, type. Not a politically correct yeah. term in these days. Just to yeah. let you know. Well, okay. I think anytime a storyline is like, you know, where the killer's just killing off people because you know he doesn't believe in something, he wants to set them free, you know, save their souls and shit. You know, you, you know the guy's fucking insane, but he just has that look. Maybe it's the glasses, the greasy fucking hair. Maybe it's the the suit that he's going around killing people in. He's wearing a fucking suit, like the tall man. You know? man. Well, yeah, I, you know the um, I, right from the beginning scene, I felt like I was gonna like this film where he's dragging the topless dead woman across the beach, and I'm like, I thought okay, that was okay. I thought that was a perfect way of introducing the character while the credits ran. Uh-huh. Exactly, and it, it also set up this um, almost. Like, I, I don't know, like, the location obviously is in California, um, but it kind of set up this, like, the, like, almost underside of, of the California area where we don't really see that often, like, the early morning, like, beach, like, 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 kind of dreary look. I, I kind of like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, th- this era of films, uh, like, like this sleazy, uh, exploitative drive-in seventies era is, is, really awesome to me i think of stuff the like the toolbox the murders um mm-hmm. yeah I, I love this this section in in horror and i was really surprised of this film because i'd never heard of it um and was it ever released before yeah trauma released it on dvd Did they? yeah oh wow i didn't even i don't even have that release i had no idea um but yeah, then, this is definitely one film that I've never really seen anyone talk about, well, and that was kind of the reason why I picked this one because it was I thought it would be interesting. I'd never seen it before, and but it just it got the, released recently. Gorgon's yeah, releasing but, it, but it was Blu-ray. oh really? But yeah, so uh, you know, I just thought it would be an interesting one because I knew it was like exploitive and you know sleazy and shit. I thought it'd be an interesting one to cover, but I'm glad that it turned out to be the way it is. That's pretty you know? good. I was really, I was blown away by the structure. I couldn't believe it was told the way it was. I was just like, that's awesome. You know, it's really low budget, but it's like, 
it's done well. It's actually <laughs> it's a really, really well. interesting story um, setup. Like it's an interesting plot device for um, a killer where he has this magazine. He has all these serial killer tendencies, which I love. It kind of mm. adds to like the mystique and kind of just crazy of the killer where he has like the shoes he's in that all white room and he's carving out the faces yeah. as he knocks them off like and he I has that weird that stuff as but a he's a weird he, record he's on totally... the player yeah oh yeah i yeah. know right the music oh yeah, every time he so kills someone it would play that music i noticed that too i thought that was really cool yeah it's really good um, but you know like he's that type of character that he's really just trying to play god he's fucking insane yeah. You know, and the reason why that, you know, he likes to hear his own voice, too, because he'll phone the victims yeah. and basically tell them, like, I want to fuck fucking, you. I'm going to fucking kill yeah. you. You know, and he's and he's really playing God. He's not afraid to show who he is. And he's just out there and just insane. I like that. You know, he wasn't just a silent killer. He would phone and fuck with you and he would pursue that. He showed it over and over again. You know, you hang up on me. I'm going to fucking phone you back. He was very aggressive, but he's like very dorky about it and shit. It was is strange. I, I really thought, enjoyed it. I thought that like one of the cool things about this film, um, which I like when films wh- wh- like I like certain films that do this and they basically show you a side of the world that that's uh, very bad. Like everybody is kind of bad in this movie. There's a lot of characters who are. It's, God, it's not just him. Assholes, it's man. not just a serial killer who's the, who's the bad guy. Like it shows that people in general uh, can be horrible. And mm-hmm. yeah, that, yeah. I especially that like well, especially like the man and the woman in the second story. Well, that's I was like, just oh gonna man, say, they are fucking nasty to each other. That's where it, oh, you know it's brutal. Was leading us right into the second story about yeah. you know you know the sleazy fucking photographer like all the yeah. sleazy that the sleaze side of the business you know. And this yep. is what they do. And then, and then basically now the second story for me was interesting because, um, of how it developed or by the end of the story, I thought it was really interesting what had happened, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, <clears throat> in the first story he was basically, well, he was obviously just going after the girl. Um, in the second one, he was like fucking Michael Myers in this one. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He, he just goes buck wild. Like he starts taking out, he, I think there was like six fucking victims in that story or something. Yeah, um, I love the So location. it's kind of a different structure. It was a yeah, different cool. structure and it just goes buck wild. But he, but like you guys said, that he killed a lot of shitties. Yeah. A lot of shitties. Everybody that deserved it. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of weird. It's like, it has this weird feel to it, but I don't know. You don't care I'm, that they die. I, I thought the second story was in my opinion was maybe the weakest one but i, I was still I agree enjoyable as well I, I think so too um but i do like the setting of it i thought that that was really cool i like oh, yeah, that yeah. that almost like um rocky wave like like waves crashing in like mm-hmm. like house on the hill type type look like i've always kind of liked that i think of like trilogy of terror that that episode that thing where they're in there like i've always liked that like rocky lighthouse type look and this movie never fails to be sleazy too. You know, there's some pretty good shots on the island, but I love the scene where the girls they notice the girl at the bottom of the rocks, and of course her shirt's open and her tits are hanging out. Oh yeah, you got of course because there's scene. tits everywhere, man. Yeah, you gotta have it's that. Great. But you know what I was surprised about? They the didn't show any yeah. any under the waist shots really you know, know there's a couple was, asses but i thought but, that was interesting too no muff there was one scene where a girl was taking off her pants and her underwear yeah. come down and she pulls them up and i was like wow no muffy yeah <laughs> no <laughs> muffy i was surprised so, because it's so yeah, easy you're like why the hell not <laughs> a lot of tits yeah a lot of tits but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful woman in this one. But the second story did have some pretty good, you know, actual cinematography. Like, it wasn't bad, you know, uh-huh. some good overhead shots. Not, nothing at all bad grind for Grindhouse movies. Well, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, you know. Like, well, it's, I it's, think, for such a low-budget film, it's actually done pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think, in general, films from this era have been completely panned to being these just mindless exploitation, like, no thought. And I've always kind of seen the opposite. I've always thought these had more weight than than usually credited to um i think that i'm with with you on that all the time i'm surprised like 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 about the depth in these films like and what you said about the lead killer guy um Mm -hmm. i did like his look but i I almost felt like there was um a different way to kind of show his crazy um as well like his look was good but i felt like as a character i wasn't really as into him as you and i thought that you know, when people ask you, like, what film would you like to see remade, um, this is kind of maybe the answer that I would go to now. I think there's a lot of things you can do with this this story. Mm. Um, I think this wouldn't be this wouldn't be a bad film to see kind of remade. Interesting. Yeah, I just I, I try to avoid. I don't that think question, it would like work, the plague. Though. You know, maybe films that you'd like to get remade. I just I don't really want to see films being remade, but. I mean, I don't, I don't I, either. But I'm saying, if if they're gonna remake stuff like this, is this is probably one that I would go to more than like Children mm-hmm. of the Corn or something. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, like I, I feel um, there's more. There's there's there could be stuff explored with the psychology of the guy, and that's mm-hmm. kind of what I was getting at. Like like the the mental cracking and the the cracks in in the wall in his brain. Like there, there's this guy's effed. And I think that there's a, a like make it, it more psychological. I think it really does work though that you really you know you get introduced to the killer right away, and there's really no story for him. You know he's you just kind of take it for face value that this guy's fucked in the head and he's doing God's work kind of thing. But I, I like that mystery. Like he doesn't you know maybe when he was a child maybe his mom was a pinup girl and it fucking haunted him and, and maybe this oh that's is interesting. Why, maybe this like is that. why he's he's fucking snapped when he's older and he's mm-hmm. killing because he, he figures that he he didn't like the fact that his mom was maybe portrayed mm-hmm. as a whore so this maybe is why he's killing off these women see we don't know these things but it's kind of fun to think about things like that and i like the mystery of that and when yeah, i when i finished the film that was the first thing i thought of i'm like maybe his mom was a fucking pinup girl and she, he thought he, she was a whore and this is why he does this and you know i like that mystery that it's not explained and i think it works yeah and i'm not really structure. talking about explaining why he's doing it yeah. But I'm talking about it showing more of him, like more of his psycho tendencies and his, yeah, his yeah. craziness and, and things like that. And I, I I honestly think that those the Manson family was, was a great part in the film because they are so annoying. Like they are just you want to strangle them because like they just start going buck wild as soon as they enter the house and it's <laughs> oh, just like what kind of people are you mm-hmm. and you just and you fit you really do feel for the woman who's stuck in that situation where she's like she's there just have no regard for what she is saying at all yeah 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 so what did you guys think of the third story like how he basically kind of mm-hmm. you know tricks some people into telling them where this girl is and I don't know, man. I, I kind of liked it. 
Yeah, it wasn't yeah. as good as the first one. Yeah, though. I think the first is definitely the strongest. Yeah. yeah, the first one definitely is the best one. It, it's just that atmosphere too. It's, but not even I the atmosphere. I think it's, it's like the, the best, the best shot one too out of all of them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. What do you guys think about if they would have between the second story that we see and uh, before the third story, if they almost had like a uh, a kind of montage, if you will, of him picking off like some other girls like just the death scenes i almost feel like there's this soft like 70s music playing like where he's in like in the back of the car or something like i just can see like these like the soft 70s it's like it's like very um it's almost like porno yeah yeah and i could just see like this like sleazy um like death scenes where they're like really um they're not like jarring but they're just like uh, almost like last house on the lefty Mm-hmm. Um, with the deaths, uh, like I think I that would have been cool to show, like admit, like that girl's the last one or something. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I actually didn't have a problem with the transitions. Like, I kind of realized how the structure was going, and I was like, okay. And then it just kind of cuts in the third one. I just accepted the fact that you know he just booked it off the island and he's back on the on the mainland. No, and... <laughs> I didn't have a problem with that either. I just wanted yeah. to see him get to more of them for some reason like i just want mm-hmm. to see it. i just i just like the idea of like he's just going one by one i guess he only made it to the third one but then they show but they show the book of uh at the at at the later point in the film where you see that he she is the last one so we kind of didn't get to see those other girls that he yeah had, so the movie kind of picks up yeah 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 because yeah. he'd already but i wish killed... it would have gave like a time lapse of how long he, well he killed one at the very beginning yeah the, yeah on the beach um, and then the second story was, or the first story was the second victim. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the third victim was the second story on the cliffside. And then we get to the, the, way, yeah. to the you know, fourth girl. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. we see that he had gotten to all the other mm-hmm. ones. So I, I almost feel like it would have been an extra, like, nude boobs and more throat slits. Like, yeah, that could have so, been. That's so, interesting. Or even if it just showed the, the victim, like... Mm-hmm. Like the victim in each spot, you know what I mean? Like with their throat slit or something like that. I don't, I don't know. It, it, obviously, it's just me thinking <clears throat> outside the box and trying to think what mm-hmm. I did, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, so, what are, what are your thoughts on the third story? Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah, it, I mean, it was good. I like. I feel like once you had that, um, all those things happening in the first story. It never got to that level again, but you oh, kind yeah, of accept yeah. it and you're cool with that because that first yeah. story was really good. So and you have I to think of what a, time of movie it is too. Yeah, yeah, I never had a problem. Like, I, I don't think it was as str- it's better than the second one, but I don't think it's as mm-hmm. str- strong. But I still enjoyed it. I, I, even the second one, I still enjoyed. So, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah. I, the second one still cracks me up. It's just like how high the body count gets in that one. <laughs> It's like the guy goes fucking. He's like just a fucking maniac. I think it's in kind of one. out of character of him, a little bit. Slightly. Well, it's that crazy. Well, I mean, the, the point is, he's supposed to be just killing these centerfold girls, yeah. and he kind of has to kill some other people to get through. And and then, of course, there is a body that's, you know, uh, gets killed or a person gets killed by another girl. <laughs> yeah, accidentally, well, he, kind of thing. I feel like it's um, like it kind of shows him almost in a light where it's not just a regular guy anymore like this guy's good and mm-hmm. i don't like when they do that in these type of films because to me he should be a little sloppy because he's just a regular guy doing this he's not a michael myers or a jason or something like that so so when when he's picking off people like that standing behind walls and grabbing people as they r- run around the corner and stuff that to me 
uh, shows a little bit of like a unbelievable character characteristic of this you know regular guy. So I, I don't like it's. A, I'm okay with it. It didn't bug me at all. It's just something that I don't like per se. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I think the. Uh... I like I, honestly, I like the way the kills were done in the film. Like, I, I think that you didn't really need to see. It wasn't over the top. They're just the simple. Act. They're just yeah. simple. Yeah. Re- well, there was a good. There was a good scene where he actually, uh, maybe minor spoiler alert, but he kills the wrong girl in this one scene, and he basic. I think it is it in the third story, second. where or I think it's in the third, second story. It's the third. It's, it's the third story. Yeah, he slits this girl's throat, and I just like the way it just pans down and it just shows the fucking stream of blood right in the sink. It doesn't show the you know the gore mm-hmm. on her, but you totally get it. and You're just like, oh, it's brutal. I've just always I've just... always liked that about seventies filmmaking. Yeah. Is you see a lot of kill a lot of kills aren't to where you see like blade touch flesh per se. Mm-hmm. Per se. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's more of this like this slow like aftermath look and i've always kind of liked that i like aftermath in general like um seeing a body and it like kind of stays on it and i love when filmmakers can really kind of show the lifelessness of a body in uh-huh. in, in, in death because a lot of times in modern horror i feel like they cut to it and you see it for a quick second and like but they would stay on it in the 70s they would stay on it and the body you know sometimes they would you would catch some movement and you know that's bad obviously but when they do it good and you can't see like no breathing or anything like that like when he was burying the girl at the beach like i felt like a lifeless body was on screen and i love i love that feel there's a couple scenes in the film actually where they 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 cut to like still shots <laughs> so the it's like it's like almost like a picture is being yeah. shown you can tell and that always cracks me up in the 70s when they do those like still shots you're just like okay well, i like that's... that style though man there's something about it that i've always enjoyed but then again you know when you do those type still captions or whatever you know you're not going to get you're not going to see that body breathing yeah, <laughs> you know it's like lifeless. you're doing so many fucking movies yeah that's yeah, kind of funny but I don't know, man. Overall, I thought this was a really, really enjoyable film that just yeah. surprised the hell out of me. me I couldn't too, believe the structure of it, man. I was like, "Fucking rights, man! This is awesome." I, at first, I was so worried. I was like, "Okay, this is this might go real bad." <laughs> this is might the prime example the why I like why I am obsessed with horror films is because you can find a film from the 1974 that you've never heard of and be like, "Wow, that was good." And mm-hmm. it's so cool when that happens. So yeah, I, I like this one as well. I'm definitely pretty high on this, and it's it's one that I'll probably end up bringing up in conversation when I talk about you know like seventies exploitation. So there was like you know throughout the did you you watch the DVD right? Did you watch the DVD too, Jeremy? Yeah. Okay, so the the fucking. Uh, there was like really, really grind. Like in the first couple shots of the film, you're just like, holy fuck, this is like super yeah. like grindhouse looking and shit. And then the transfer actually isn't that bad on this, this Dark Sky film's release. To be yeah, honest, it, it is what it is. Yeah, it, it is they restored it, it from the uh, 16 millimeter negative. Yeah. I actually like that. Like throughout the whole thing, I thought it actually looked pretty damn good. But at first, I was like, wow, you can tell there was like, you know, some issues yeah, with that print or whatever. I do remember but then thinking it, that. Yeah, and it clears up like instantly. You're like, oh, okay, that's actually not that bad. (laughs) And I was like, wow, it actually quite surprised me. And then watching the film, I was like, fuck, you know, structure. Everything about this one was fun. It was very modern feeling structure wise, sort of. 
Well, I've just like I said, I've never seen a an exploitation film done like this. this is yeah. probably you know, I mean, I'm sure that there's others like this. You know, they came after, but it's just strange. I've never seen one structured like this before. Very cool, very cool stuff. Highly enjoyable film. Thought the music was very fitting. It was sleazy. Yep. You know. To yep. go along with all those tits and it just, the music fit perfectly. Unlike my Italian stallion from this week, the music was fucking off putting. I'm like, am I watching a Charles Bronson fucking film? I don't know. It was strange. I, I love the pink font on the case and stuff. Like it, it just, it fits. Yeah. The cover's cool, man. Yeah. It's actually really cool. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. So, um, I don't know who wants to go first with the ratings, Jeremy. Oh, fuck you guys. You fucking, fucking assholes. assholes. <laughs> Why do I always gotta go first? Because, man. Because. It was a really, really enjoyable film, and um, it's really interesting. And um, for 1974, you know, we got Tex Chainsaw and Black Christmas coming out also during this time period. So really, really interesting. Uh, 8 out of 10, Centerfold Girls. All right, cool. Moods, you get second. All right, um... Yeah, uh, Centerfold Girls, man. You know, I fucking love exploitation films. It's such a great one. Really glad I dis- uh, discovered this one randomly. I just, you know, Dark Sky put it out. I'm like, check this out. Read up on, on it. And, you know, the odd thing about this one, like I said before, is that I've never seen really anyone talk about this one, which is such a shame. It's such a shame. So hopefully more people check it out just because of the review. And, uh, yeah, I, Structure Alone sold me to fucking death. It was awesome. I, I give it eight and a half out of ten. Cool, cool. And I agree. I hope that based off of this review, everybody picks this uh, disc up. It's Dark Sky Film. It's only $10. Definitely worth the purchase, in my opinion. So definitely grab the DVD. Uh, I, you know, feel... I think we've all felt really similar about this one, so I'm going to come in at... Uh, this film's definitely about an 8 out of 10 for me, personally, and um, it's it's very solid. So definitely, definitely give it a watch, especially if you love these 70s uh, exploitation films. Hell yeah. Yeah. Alrighty, so that is gonna do it for the featured review, which of course is the Centerfold Girls from 1974. And do we have any last thoughts? Again, if you're still with us listening, I remind you to definitely phone in for episode 50. Leave your, your pick for the most influential film of the last 50 years. And uh, you will be entered to win a DVD or a prize pack. So let's get on that, people. It's very, very simple. All you got to do is dial those fucking 10 numbers or whatever it is. And, uh, and Jeremy, yeah. what are those numbers? I'll get to it when we get to the conclusion. You are not good at this job. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you got to remember every week is those those numbers. That's your job. We'll get to Let it. Down every time. I'm ready to go. I have it right in front of me. I'm just waiting until I got <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, yeah. Get my Okay, cue. so next week, what are we doing, Jeremy? Dark Hall. Catch you guys yes, next week with Dark an- Hall. Another contemporary Scream Factory. Yeah. Guys ready? For my conclusion? You don't have to ask us. You're supposed okay, to be thank you, everybody. Just be All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the 46th episode of 22 Shots of <sighs> Podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, aka the man who knows how to push my buttons, you can do so at youtube.com slash moods six one six. As always, if you want to follow JP AKA, Oscar Films. AKA the man who hates Pee Wee Herman, you can do so at youtube.com slash double shot J. And always please follow me on my channel for my upcoming 24 hour, 365 day a year Oscar coverage. Not 
YouTube.com slash NES Ruler22. As always, you can email us any questions you hey, have. Tony, you want to check out some Oscar films tonight? <laughs> so if you have any questions you can email us at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com and you can follow us on twitter at 22 shots podcast twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast and as always you can follow us on our facebook page facebook.com go to the search bar type in 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and join the facebook page and as always you can follow us on our website at the 22 shots of moods and horror dot com it's 22 shots of moods a and d horror.com and you of course leave us your voicemails for episode 50 724-426-6665 as always leave us a voicemail for the upcoming 50th episode of 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and please let us know what you think is the most in- one of the is the most influential horror film of the past 50 years so that should do it folks we'll be back again next week with the 47th episode of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast, we'll be talking about Scream Factory's newly sci-fi released film, Dark Hall. Sci-fi. Yeah, and in case you couldn't understand any of that incoherent rambling, all the links to what he said will be <clears throat> below. See you guys next week. <laughs>